check, check. We recording, KP. We are recording, guys. What? Welcome to Project Mindset. I am your host, Kevin Sturdivant, a.k.a. Coach Kevion. And we're here, guys. This is the most uplifting podcast on the planet. I hope you agree. If this is your first time, welcome. Go back and listen to the other Jeez, I think 49 episodes. This is insane. So right now we are in season two. This is our 41st episode. However, we also recorded nine other episodes, which listen to (laughs) listen to at your own risk. Okay, we were just figuring things out in season one. We did uh, nine official episodes, but long story short. No pun intended, short story long. This episode is a tribute to just that. That thing that really pushed me, inspired me to to speak more, to actually take some time outside of my day-to-day. I am uh, 99% the last seven years, really since 2012, my head has been super focused in the real estate game. I had one clear goal in 2012 when my dad passed away and uh, January 2012 and I looked at my three kids at that time, Elijah, Kaizen, and Azella, who at that time was just a, a little baby. She wasn't even a year old. And I realized how short life is. And at that time in 2012, I wasn't a homeowner. Alana and I wasn't weren't married. Um, we maybe had... 1500 bucks to our name and I really had to make a decision about what I was going to do to create uh, and build a strong foundation for my children for my family to not just financially but as a human being I don't feel that I was living um, in a way that was going to be any different than how my dad left and I made a major commitment to to step into the seven equities and really give it my all. And not just my mind, body, soul, which is what we're in right now, the seven equities series, mind, body, soul, family, friends, your hustle, and money. Um, and I really, I really kind of drew the line in terms of business. And for the 10 years previous, I was sort of doing life coaching stuff. I was chilling with this crew all the time that my, my LRG crew, even though that wasn't a money thing, that was where I spent almost half of my time. And then I did real estate. And I really had to make a decision at that time in 2012 of what are you doing, Kev? And I put my head down and focused on real estate. And I came up with the vision of building my own brand, creating a team, creating Uh, a company that was known for modern and mid-century modern architecture, the go-to real estate company for the action sports industry. And when I created that, we had nothing. And by 2015, we were the number one real estate team in the number one real estate office um, in Southern California. And we sold this year, we'll hit a billion dollars in closed volume. And it's our fifth full year. So it's been really awesome, but something happened, which is why I'm here with you guys now. And in April 2017, I hired a business coach, and his name is Jim Haley. And Jim asked me what I wanted to do. And I'm like, Jim, 
my real estate career has been going off. We're number one. All this stuff's happening. Blah, blah, blah. We have this company called Case, but something's missing. And he's like, what's that? I was like, I just feel like this, this other piece of me of, of, of this thing that I feel God wants me to do, which is to, to speak and, and inspire people to, to dig deep and to know that their life has a purpose and to give people some of the tools that I've been given that help me find my purpose and help me stay inspired. I feel like I'm supposed to do that. And he's like, what's that look like to you? If you could have it anyway, and which is interesting, it's the same thing my coach Thatch asked me in 2012. He said, what does it look like, Kev? And guys, think about that. I think it's really important that you take the time to have people in your life who ask you questions like this. And that's what he asked me. He said, what would you want to do? And I said, I'd like to inspire a million people. And he said, "To for what? And I said, I'd like to inspire a million people to believe in themselves and to know that their life has a purpose. And I'd like to provide them and give them tools that will help them discover that and relentlessly chase it. And he's like, a million people? And I'm like, yeah, that would be sick. And he said, by when? I was like, I don't know, like in the next month. <laughs> and so like all the goals that I set, I play like, what do we do to make this happen tonight? And long story short, we, we, we didn't implement any structures. That was literally mine and Jim's first session. I think it was a Monday. And I believe it was maybe five days later, I get a text from my buddy Sneaker Steve. And then there was another, I think it was a 310 number on the thread. And... This is what the thread said. Yep. So this was May 1st, 2017, and I got the text, and it said, Hi, Kevion. Please meet Drama. I'm excited for you guys to connect and for you to tell your story on Short Story Long. Keep inspiring the world, Kevion. I'm really looking forward to this one. This is going to be one of the most powerful interviews. Let the inspirations begin. Then Drama texts back. Thank you, Steve. What up, Kevion? Let's make it happen. I've gotten lots of requests to hear your story. I think it would be a great episode. Let me know. And I responded, goals. Let's get it, homies. Really hyped on your podcast drama. Man, this is surreal. About to shed a thug tear up in here. Let's go, guys. That was May 1st, 2017. And about a week or so later, we recorded episode 50. And I didn't really know what, what was going to um, happen from that. I was super stoked for the opportunity to um, have that platform. I'd never really shared my story with that many people before. And following that podcast, which, by the way, was just a really crazy experience as a whole. There was something going on in that room, man. There, there, there really was. Um, drama and I got into a flow. I really felt comfortable, like just I felt like he was genuinely interested in my story, and he had a really good way of of pulling out the the questions. And there was one point in the story where it was really really surreal, um, and it got to the point where I was talking about this moment that was uh, one of the most challenging moments in my entire life, and that's. Uh, Memorial Day 2011 when my best friend Jonas passed away and I was sharing the story of how it happened and you know I was one of the only um, 
people who were there when everything happened and I had to stop. I got really choked up. And in that same moment, we uh, heard some people freaking out outside of Drama's office. And in that same moment right there, like literally the same five minutes, uh, Drama's really good friend, um, Big Black, the news was, was delivered that he passed away. And it was just like, what is going on? This is crazy, man. And, and Drama was in a crazy space and he was he was pretty choked up and shocked and I was just in this space and we just sat and chilled for like 15 minutes. I thought for sure that we would probably uh, come back maybe uh, you know in a week and finish this but really drama was like man I really feel like what we're doing here is is something he would want us to do. I feel like Jonas would want us to continue on what we're doing right now and let's finish it. And so we finished it. And the following, almost immediately, like the, the, the following day, my inbox was just like, you know, so I've never really been this like big social media guy. I think I maybe had like 9K followers. So for me to go from 9K and then another thousand, another thousand, and now it's like nothing crazy, but you know, 30K or something. But it was more about the response. I think I probably got 3,000 DMs and messages in one, one way or, or another over the following like 10 days. And my, my career is I'm a real estate agent. I own a real estate company. And uh, nobody was asking me real estate questions, of course. It was about mindset and affirmations and the law of attractions. And, and, and what about this? And what about that? And it kept going on and on and on and to the point where I realized, like, man, I need, I need to share this more. And fast forward, I decided to start Project Mindset. We bought the equipment. I brought somebody into uh, my day-to-day -day of real estate because I didn't, I didn't have somebody full-time with me that I felt could make this thing real. And the universe delivered this dude, KP, no passion. And I think that that's a perfect example of when we have a vision, a place that we feel in our heart we're supposed to go. The universe conspires. The the universe forms around that vision and will provide you with what you need to get to where you need to go. KP is a perfect example. Without him being here, the content, the videos, the messages would not have been shared with you guys the way they have been. He's been here week after week. Many of the times when we're recording, it's on the weekend. And um, it's just been an incredible journey. We just hit 200,000 plays on our podcast, and uh, we got a lot more work to do, a lot more people to interview. We still have the final equity on money that we'll be sharing with you guys next week. But for this week, we wanted to pay tribute to the thing that really pushed us to do this in the first place. Short story long, episode 50 with my dude, Drama. So... Uh, I want you guys to take a listen to that, and, and, and there's a part in the story, too, where I just go in on all of the, 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 I think I shared, like, the top 10 processes that have made a big impact in my life. So really hope, and hope you guys enjoy this. I know you will. Um, remember to shout this out. 
you know, what you guys do, how you share is really our only form of, of marketing. So the more you share it, the more it grows. Sharing is caring. Keep an eye out for something awesome that drama has going on later this month. Um, it's pretty cool. And it's a live event. It's the first major one that he's doing on his own. Super stoked to be a part of that. I know it's going to be awesome. So make sure to check out Drama's Insta, at Drama. And also remember what we do over here, Project Mindset and Case Real Estate. Those are the two places that I hang out. But my personal day-to-day, what I am doing 95% of the time in my work day is I am working and selling awesome real estate okay whether that's a little tiny home in long beach or an oceanfront masterpiece in laguna beach or helping people buy income property my passion the slogan it's inspired to move so that does not just mean helping people set their goals in life but also their dream home goals so case real estate is what keeps project mindset alive so keep us in mind for really anything real estate related in southern california soon to be Northern California. Stay focused, stay inspired. Major shout out to my dude, Drama. And take a listen, short story long, episode 50. All right, here we are, short story long. I have to say, this is probably the most excited I've ever been about doing a podcast because of the excitement of my guest. Um, You posted on Instagram our conversation I literally almost teared up with your happiness for me asking you to be on the podcast because it really, for me, was like like the fact that it even meant something to somebody meant so much to me. I don't know if that makes any sense. Definitely, yeah. But, Kevion, how do you say your last name? Sturdivant. 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 That's how it's, how it's spelled. Kevion Sturdivant. Welcome to Short Story Long. Thank you, sir. I'm excited, man. I mean, I, for the listeners, um, we were connected by Sneaker Steve, who's a good friend of both of ours, who did the podcast and did a great job. Um, and your name had came up a bunch in uh, recommendations of people that I should interview. And, um, but like, we kind of know each other, but like very removed, right? We're like third, three people removed from each other, maybe two. Um, so I just didn't, I don't know, we just hadn't connected. And then Steve connected us and... Like I said, you being so excited to do it really made me super excited and happy and pumped. So I'm stoked. Thank you for that. Yeah, really stoked. Um, let's get into it, man. Where it. are you from? That's a tough question. Um, I feel like I was raised all over California. I was born in Oakland in 82. Jesus. Um, and How long were you in Oakland for? I was only in Oakland for a couple years. Okay, so you don't really remember it too well. No, I don't really remember it too well. So um, lived all over Southern California, really. Mm-hmm. Spent a little bit of time in Ohio. Really? Yeah. Living in Ohio? Living in Ohio. What part? Cincinnati. Damn, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, great time. We'll get, we'll get to that for yeah. sure. So Southern California. All over. All over. Yeah. Um, and what about like early sort of early? First of all, this is the other thing. Is your name spelled Kevin? It's spelled Kevin. Why is it Kevion? Why did you remix it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know Damien Pugh? I know the name, but Damian why? Damien Pugh, he's, he's been with Creative Rec. There's a debate oh, between yeah, yeah, yeah. who invented my, my nickname, whether it's uh, Jonas or Damien. Okay. And uh, Jonas says he invented it. Damien said it was him, but it was at a, just a random French party we threw one night. Okay. And it was like, I don't know, maybe... 
15 years ago uh-huh. and everybody's wearing these French mustaches, right? And I'm walking down the staircase and either Jonas or Damien just goes, Kevion. <laughs> and that whole night, you everybody just kept saying Kevion from there forward. Most of my friends know me as Kevion. Man, that's powerful. Yeah, it's amazing what one is... like drunken night can do. <laughs> and Kevion's so yeah. much better. I almost changed it. It's so much better. Like no, it. you know, no disrespect to your parents because they did a yeah. great job. But I'm just saying, Kevion's sick. Kevion's Thank like you. you're your own. Thank like, you, thing. I've never met a Kevion. That. Yeah, I was gonna change it at one point. Uh, my father and I shared the same name, and uh, yeah. I was gonna change it at, at one point, but I decided not to. Are you over it now? Like, do you think maybe it'll? You never know. It might come back. I like it. Maybe I support it if you decide. I support your decision. Thank you, sir. Um, so, childhood in Southern California, like what? Paint the picture for me. What was life like? So growing up, like, you know, we, we moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. It, I don't have like a, a uh, rags to riches story, right? Yep. It feels like it was more of a, a, a riches to rags and then finding a path of how to get back to riches. Got it. So, so were your parents, do your parents had money? My dad, I didn't know exactly what he did, uh-huh. right? He would just travel a lot mm-hmm. and he would come home. Um, you know, I'd be four or five years old and he would literally come home with a briefcase full of money. Oh, great. Yeah. So your dad was a drug trafficker. He was an entrepreneur <laughs> of sorts. He was an, uh, an entrepreneur in the underworld. Yep. And so I got to experience some pretty cool stuff. I was an a, a only child until five or six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five years old until 88. And so my parents would throw these crazy parties at like the Mondrian uh-huh. off of Sunset, the Bonaventure. And my dad was big in the club life. Uh-huh. So like he, they would sneak me into these like literally nightclubs and they would get me my own little suite while uh, they were throwing these crazy parties at the Bonaventure and, and all these places. And then, um, you know, all his friends drove dope cars. I remember that I went to a private school. And then around, I think I was six or seven years old, like uh-huh. literally we get a knock on the door and everything changes. Like everything changes. My dad gets sent away and um, we're on welfare. You know, my mom's a single mom. And she told me that my dad went away to be a fireman. So um, that's why when I went to go visit him, it was behind a glass. Because firemen yeah you know you're on smoke glasses. you gotta be you're ah, around smoke all yep, the time there and it so, is tricky man my yeah, mom she, is creative yeah mom was good and so so you literally would go visit your dad i'd go visit him he was in, in prison a, yeah. and be like how's firefighting school dad? what's going on dad like, like you had no idea like? i had no idea that's pretty amazing yeah i saw the movie scarface for the first time when i was probably 10 or 11 uh-huh. and things started to click Really? Yeah, things started to click. God damn it. Like, oh, Tony Montana is a, is oh, a firefighter. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certain things started to click, for sure. Man, how interesting. So, how fucking interesting. Yeah. So, did you just kind of put the pieces together yourself? I don't know. I don't think I really knew until I was 12 or 13, mm-hmm. right? And so, he, bottom line is, it was it was a lot. I think it was, I think it was maybe 88, and it was something like, 200 keys uh-huh. and it was it was 200 k keys of not it wasn't weed uh-huh. right and so my guy got sentenced to 20 years um he ended up doing half of that in little bits and pieces it was really weird how it was set up but um 
you know, the interesting thing that I learned from it is that my dad would send me these letters from uh -huh. prison, and he would be telling me about how, like, the different jobs that he was getting in prison. Like, it was a positive thing. Uh -huh. Like, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool in here. I'm now managing the gym in here. I mean, like, crazy. Yeah. Do you he, think that was him trying to keep it positive for you? That think that's just how he was. Just like, a positive guy. Yeah, my dad grew up in East Los Angeles, and he was just the ultimate hustler. Where are your parents, just quickly to go yeah. way back, like, where are your parents, where, where, where did your parents originate from? So they, uh, my mom is first generation from the Philippines. Okay. Yeah, my dad's dad, my grandpa, was uh, German, right? He was yep. a Spanish, he started one of the first Spanish Lutheran ministries, like in the mid 19 hundreds okay and uh my dad's mom was spanish and mexican Got it. so you know just they met at i think wilson um, was that story I, good you texted me this morning the story of how your parents met was it a good story that or was unreal that, that cracked me up dude I was but she dying. wrote a fake story no that was yeah that was real oh you said it was unreal it was unreal oh, i thought like, you said that wasn't real yeah, I was like, yeah what? no just like oh my god was the gosh. story good yeah I should probably read something. So here's what I love. You should read the story. Yeah. Here's what I love. And to all my listeners, because I'm going to do the same thing. Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday. Damn it, I'm a bad son. On <laughs> Sunday. And what Kevion did was wrote to his mom and asked, how did you and dad meet? Is that what you did? I asked her all these questions. I said, you know, what high school did you, did, did, uh, you and dad go to? What grade did you meet? How old were you when you had me? Why did you guys move to Oakland? Was dad always hustling? You know, um, and I just said, they sh I'm doing an interview today. So good. Yes. Man. And so um, she, she told me, you know, that they jumped, my, my dad kind of jumped different high schools from Garfield to Wilson High. And so my mom wrote me. She said, we met in 10th grade. I was a good Christian girl. And he posed as this super eccentric stoner type, uh -huh. long hair, and wore only black t-shirts with all the rock groups, Pink Floyd, David Bowie, ACDC. And he sat behind me in English and tapped my shoulder and asked if he can copy my homework. And then nice. he whispered in my ear, tricks are for kids. Good work. Is, <laughs> yeah, your dad's a pimp. My dad's killing it, right? <laughs> and then she said, he asked to take photos of me after class, that it was a project he was doing. And next thing you know... That old trick. Next thing you know, I was ditching class with them to take these photos. We walked through Cal State University, and he tricked me to believe that this motorcycle that he got on was his. He hotwired it, stole it, and we drove to Uncle Mark's and Auntie Puffa's shack in Al Sereno, and there the pot stories began. Your dad's incredible. <laughs> Damn it, your dad. That is amazing. So you had no idea of any of that? No. And it wasn't until... That's why I think everyone here should... Um, do me a favor, personal project, text your mom and ask how your mom and dad met. Hopefully it doesn't cause any trouble over Mother's Day. I apologize exactly. if it does. But that's an incredible story to just dig up. Yeah, it was cool. And then, you know, I never really understood why did we move to Oakland. Yeah. You know, because it was we had family up there, but she goes on to tell me about how they moved to Oakland because they were pregnant with me. You know, uh -huh. they were barely, barely 20 years old. And that was kind of their way of my dad getting out of the game. Like, my, my dad had been in the game since he was an early teenager. Did they move from here to Oakland? They moved from East Los Angeles to Oakland. And to get out of the game. But then he got back in. He got back in. Yeah. This is fucking fascinating, man. Yeah. I, um, and then how long? So you were in Oakland for like two years, and then you came back. Came back to um, East Los Angeles, you know, and... Um, yeah, it was interesting. Like my seventh, eighth, ninth 
birthday, mm-hmm. I spent visiting my dad in prison. Okay, so let me ask you this too, because I'm just so just blown away by this. Um, so as childhood goes on, like, did you just start, you just kind of naturally start to figure out what your dad did and that he wasn't becoming a firefighter. Yes. Like there was never like a moment of like, yo, Santa Claus isn't real. Your dad's right. not a firefighter. You just see, you know, and you hear things from other family members. I knew that my dad wasn't doing right. Just yep. put it put it put it that simple. I didn't yep. I didn't understand it, but I knew what he do he was doing wasn't right. Yep. I knew the cops took him. Yep. So in my mind, um, I knew he he wasn't doing something legal. Yep. But then he's still my dad and he's still my hero. Yep. So I think that really started to develop this like defiance towards authority. Like they took my dad. That's what I was going to ask is how did yeah. that affect you? Like did you ever, did you go through a phase of being mad at your dad? Did you go through like no, how did no, you No, no, I was never, I never was mad at my dad until probably my mid-20s when I started really being a good father. And yep. I kind of saw and learned what fatherhood was really all about. Yeah. But so when you were a kid, you were just, you just hated the cops. I hated the cops. I remember, remember Bad Boy Club, right? Remember Bad Boy Club? How old old are you? I'm 30. So you should remember Bad Boy Club. What's Bad Boy Club? Club? There was this clothing company. Panel? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Is that what it was? The flexing? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And so like we had this whole joke about Bad Boy Club. And I remember I got him in a lot of trouble because I actually wrote wrote to him. And I told him that me and the Bad Boy Club are going to break him out of there. And he got in like a lot of trouble for that. That's funny. Yeah. So were you like a little badass when you were like super young? Like were you like on some like fuck this, I'm going to do what I want to, fuck the police? No. No, I wasn't really like fuck the police. <laughs> you know, I think my mom, like I was the I was my mom's only son at that time. Uh-huh. And so I think I really tried to be the man like around the house and, yep. and really I mean, I think I was a really good kid. Like, I got really good grades on the honor roll, all that stuff. Yep. And then when my baby sister Marina was born when I was five, six, and 88, around that same time when my dad had to go, yep. I had to, like, take care of her. Yep. My mom never dated anybody else, to my knowledge. So it's like I had to really help her. She yeah. had to figure out how to work and things like that. So That's pretty um, amazing. It just seems like you had a really good perspective on it, like at that young of an age, like being that you didn't lash out, you didn't go get in trouble, you didn't go do a bunch of drugs or turn into a crazy person. You also didn't hate your dad. You also didn't like. It just seems to be like, yo, like I don't really fuck with authority and shit, but like I got to man up. Like that's your attitude. Yes. Times are tough. Like I got to take care of this. Well, and I think my mom and. and still, or did her best and still a lot of the word in me, mm-hmm. right? Like my mom would have me read Bible verses and all this stuff. And I think, you know, that that had an impact as well. Yeah. So. What about um, early sort of ambitions or dreams or goals? Like um, what did you think you were going to be when you were 10 years old? When I was 10? Man, what did I think I was going to do when I was 10? Well, my dad actually had wanted me to go into the Coast Guard, uh-huh. right? And so at that point, I remember thinking, like, whatever my dad wants me to do, that's that's what I'm going to do. Yep. But I also remember in school, I couldn't draw at all, but I would always draw skyscrapers. Uh-huh. And I would always put my initials at the top of the skyscraper. Like, yeah. I could draw buildings for some reason. Yep. And so my initials are K-A-S, right? And so I would draw these skyscrapers with windows and everything. And... um kind of interesting that i'm in real estate yeah now. that's really yeah. funny maybe you're gonna be the next for lack of a i can't even say the don't t say word it, i can't even don't say, say it. T- just don't say it damn it <laughs> but just kevin on, on every you know just a case on case, every. Yeah. um okay so 
So you don't remember any like sort of like what did you do? Let's say when you got into like high school years. So my dad it's it's interesting because he would go he would come in and, and go back out right. So I remember he was out for my tenth birthday. Was that like a visitation thing? I don't know what the setup was. Yeah. Like I don't know if he kept getting in trouble and had to have had to go back in. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know what the exact arrangement was. All I know is he was out for my tenth birthday. Yep. And he took me to the outhouse in West Covina and bought me my first board. And it was a Sal Barbier Plan B. Um, and then I remember he bought the uh, Adam McKnight board with Claudia Schiffer on it. Uh-huh. And that was that was a big deal. Like I didn't really really know that I was super into it because I played baseball, played some other things. Yeah. But in '93. You know, this is like a really fresh era. This uh-huh. is one of my favorite eras. Uh-huh. And I'm like 11, 12, you know, Far Side, Bizarre Ride 2's on repeat. Yep. You know, that's like Souls of Mischief era. Yeah. And I'm getting really into that. And my mom hands me a cover of a Thrasher mag. Uh-huh. And my uncle is on it. And that, that changed everything. Who's your uncle? Uh, Rick Ibiceta. Yeah. We got to look that up. Um what the fuck? Okay, so did your dad buy you a skateboard because he was into skating, or was it just sort of like a Southern California culture thing? Like, here, try this. He couldn't like rip or anything, yeah. but it was you know he grew up surfing, BMXing, yeah. and um, that was a Southern California thing. Yeah, and then yeah. when you had the cosign of your uncle being a skate yep. star. Yes. Yeah, my mom would. She would kind of bring him. He lived up in the Bay. Yeah, and uh, he. I mean, he was. He's legendary. He's like legendary EMB crew. Yeah, so he's yeah, had yeah. a cover of Thrasher, I believe a cover of Slap, cover of Trans World. Is he like the like Mike Carroll sort of? Like he's yeah, the older he, of that group? My understanding is he taught Mike Carroll how to kickflip. I like that. Yeah. I like the like family legend. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's dope. Uh, it's funny because I can relate to that so much because that's literally why I started skateboarding was because obviously my cousin, pro skateboarder, and I just remember thinking it was so cool. Like, I didn't really know what it was. I didn't really get it. But it was just like, oh, my cousin does this cool thing. And, like, I want to do it, too. And yes. I ended up just falling in love with it, you know? It was everything. So then did at that point, did you just become dedicated to skateboarding? 93, it was, like, on. Yeah. Right? And I don't know how I got exposed to Castle. It was, like, California Amateur Skateboard League. Yep. But that was a really big thing in my life. Like, I didn't, I wasn't really into baseball or or like th- didn't get super into Pee Wee League or whatever, yeah. but Castle was my thing. And so I was in like the novice division, which is like 11 and 12. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember, I think maybe 94, I won state championships. And even though there was only like six people uh-huh. in my division, it was like the biggest thing That's for funny, me. man. It's so funny how skateboarding just like takes over your life. It was like, everything. It's not like, like there's kids that grow up playing baseball and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's just sort of a segment of your life where like literally when you're a, a diehard skateboarder, it's, it's almost like you're a skateboarder or you're not, right? You either quit right. within like the first year or you keep going. And then if you do, it literally changes the way that you look at the entire world. Everything. Like everything you see is everything like a skate see. spot, not yeah. a set of stairs. And it just takes over your entire existence. It's really interesting. Yeah. So you were good. I was all right. I think I think for some reason like people liked me being around. I don't know what it was. Like all my friends were uh the judges, which kinda helped. I don't know if you remember Ryan <laughs> Kenrich dope. or Jason Martinez or any of these yeah, guys. Jason but Martinez. these dudes were always the judges. Yep. And so I would go up against 
um, like Josh Brubaker, who is mm-hmm. now the, the, you know, he started Clearweather Shoes. Yeah. He was in my division. Yeah. He was definitely better than me, for sure. Um, but you knew but the judges. I knew the judges. Damn it, you know, man. It's, not, it's not what you know, it's who way. you know. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and so, yeah. So at that point, you were, did you think, um, did you have a big phase where you thought maybe pro skateboarding? Absolutely. Yeah. It was it. It was the only, I had my whole dream figured out. Me and my best friend, Los, like we were going to turn pro and then we're going to move to SF and open a skate shop and we're going to skate every day for the rest of our our lives. That was the dream. In 93, 94, 95, that was it. Man, when I moved, I remember, and I always tell this story. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast yet. If I have already, I'm sorry for repeating myself, but I remember very uh, vividly sitting on my friend's roof when I was about to graduate high school, uh, drinking a couple 40s and saying like, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to live in like a studio apartment, probably with like a homie or two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work at the skate shop. And if I get lucky, I'm going to get a job filming skateboarders. Because at that it. point I knew I wasn't good enough to go pro, but I started to love like filming and taking photos. So I, it was literally like, if that happened, every dream of mine in the world had come true, right? You're good. And then it just sort of went into this whole another weird world that I live in now. Yeah. But like at the time, it was just like, this is all I need. That was right? it. I'm going to sell skateboards. I'm going to film people every now and then. I'm going to drink a bunch of beer. And you're good. Damn drink it, life was so simple. And try to be on like the West Coast version of kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I wanted. That was it. You're look set. at us now, man. Look God, at our, Now happened, look at our dude? to-do list. Jeez. Um, no, but uh, so... I guess, you know, and correct me if I'm skipping anything, but sort of like, when did that dream start to fizzle out or die or wasn't your friends? Weren't you really good friends with like the whole, like a the whole group of people so who went it, pro? Crew and, was deep, yeah. right? So in like 94, um, a big game changer was one of my neighborhood friends that I skated with. We were like, okay, but what shifted it was when one of my friends uh, found out about Chafee. And so uh-huh. we would take the bus to Chafee. Yep. So it's like 96 now. And my little brother, I just realized, I think that I had a little brother. He was born in 93, but uh-huh. I couldn't do anything with him till he was like three years old. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he was three, I was like, oh shit, I have a little brother. <laughs> yeah. My mom would let me take my little brother, who's three years old, on the bus 20 miles away to Chafee. Tell the listener what Chafee is. Chafee was like, man, Chafee was our embarcadero. So if you yep. don't skate, there's these places in the world where like new york has brooklyn banks mm-hmm. right santa monica had uh the courthouse mm-hmm. um the inland empire we had that one main spot and that yep. was chafee high school and so we get to chafee and that's where i met jp jadi that's where i met joy brzezinski of course the mayor of chafee uh-huh. was richard Mulder. yeah you know ryan miller and all of a sudden i'm surrounded by these legendary people i mean Everybody came through from Gino to Jeremy Ray to Keenan and to Costin. And now, now it's on. Now it's really on. Now it's on. And like the whole only thing I needed to do every day was go to school or not go to school, get to Chafee. As long as I had a dollar seven in my pocket, it was all good. Because after Chafee, then we go to Green Burrito and you get a 99 cent bean and cheese burrito. You know, you get a water cup and actually put soda in it and you're good. And that was it. And how did you get to and from? A friend, homie had a car or no? No, the bus. Yep. Yeah, we would take the bus everywhere. And at this point, like, are you financially, your your mom doesn't have a bunch of money, right? You're just sort of getting by, right? Yes. I think that's where um, a lot of the hustle came in. Mm-hmm. Like, 
in eighth grade, I remember um, I moved into a house. So like we lived in all kinds of random places. You know, we lived in a foreclosed home for a little while in a yep. city called La Puente. We upgraded our living situation to Chino. My yep. dad was in prison in Chino, so that made sense. Yep. Let's be closer to at least his prison. And then um, we upgraded to a family's home in Glendora. Uh -huh. And it was only a four-bedroom home. And my my cousins, the Fernandez family, there were five girls. Uh -huh. So it's like me, my mom, my brother, and my sister, we move into this four-bedroom home. And so there's like 12 of us or something. Yeah. Um, but in that environment was, um, I forgot, lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Hustling. Hustling. Yeah, so it was in that environment in eighth grade that I would like sell sell all kinds of stuff yeah sell anything i could get my hands on like t-shirts stickers yeah it's yeah. interesting man it's just interesting like sort of when you go back in people's stories like where that came from where that spirit came from or where that you know and everyone treats things differently like sometimes if you're shown financial comfort at a young age and then it's taken away from you at a young age you get bitter and right. you never sort of you never recover from that. Yeah. Some people learn from that. Some people, whatever. It's yeah. just interesting, like how each person sort of deals with yeah. their circumstances. Um, so, that, hold on. That ahead, piece yeah. about um, money. Should we redo that? As far as like, how did it come about? Like, how are you doing? Like, getting by. Should I redo it? As far as I don't feel like. What do you? Got? I think that was. I felt like it was good. Cool. We'll take out the one little sort of misstep of okay. m losing your train of thought, but that's it. Cool. It was good. All right. Um, so then you're taking the bus to Chafee every single day. Life is all about skateboarding. This is in high school? This is 96. So I'm 14 years old. Got it. Right? I don't know what grade that is. Ninth grade. Yep. But that's the dopest time. I mean, like, Richard Mulder took me to the premiere of Mouse. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? That's huge. Like, JP took me to a release party for Illmatic. Yep. And it was all ages. <laughs> oh, man. But I was so small, I, I didn't get in. Like it was an all ages party for Nas was there. Illmatic, like not, not Illmatic, Stillmatic. Yep. I'm sorry. It was written. Yep. Nas, it was yep. written. Yep. Came out. Yep. Um, and they didn't let you in just because you were small. I was too small, and I remember I had this like Ralph Lauren sweater on, uh -huh. and I was like, "Dude, this is Ralph." Like, and they're like, "Dude, we don't care." You're like 12 years old. <laughs> but dude, yeah. this is Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I, I was a little gearhead for sure. You were just um, into yeah because of because of the music you know yep. tr you listen to tribe you listen to Nas you listen to woo you're a gearhead yeah. and so I would boost and jack a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. Yeah. of gear from where uh, man I guess I could say this because I already got statue limitations is up okay cool um, Marshalls and Ross really that was my spot what was your what was your strategy. <laughs> Giving away. It's okay. We can teach here. people how to. We can teach people how to sell houses and also how to steal shirts. You choose your path, kids. So, dude, it. W I had it down, mm -hmm. and this. It, I became addicted to it. Like mm -hmm. I became a little klepto, but yeah. it was all quality stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean. And so, like, if it were shoes, it was simple. You go in there, you leave your old half caps, and you find some Tims, and pull the thing off. Yeah. Put your new kicks on, and you're out. Yeah. I had a man. I had a ipod stealing racket and i've talked about this on a previous podcast but like oh you're stealing ipods you're like a, of, an adult 
hundred percent. That's part of how I paid for my um, LA trip. And what's funny is my dad called me the other day because he listens to the podcast now, and he's like, "Really wish you would have told us about the podcast about the iPod thing." And I'm like, "Sorry, Dad, you gotta do what you gotta That's do." But I, funny. it was literally where like you would take the. I figured out you could take the iPod shuffles and you could flip the see-through thing, you know, because you could see the yeah. thing in the box, and you could okay. flip it. And you go into Best Buy and say, oh, I'm here for a repair. Oh, wow. And they put the sticker on your box that said it's a repair. Then you go switch it with a new iPod shuffle and put the same sticker back on wow, the new box. And you're like, oh, they fixed it. And they're like, okay, cool. That's not bad. Yeah, and I ran that thing into the nice. ground. Never got caught. Nice. Kids. I had a little uh, Disneyland wisely. hustle as well. What like you Around do? that period, I had a Disneyland pass uh-huh. that I bought for, you know, 300 bucks. And so I would go up to kids in line and um you know basically be like so you're about to pay 60 bucks to get in here dude i could get you in for 20 bucks uh-huh. and so you have to have a ticket stub and so i would go in get my hand stamped have a ticket stub come out give them the ticket stub rub my stamp on their hand take the 20 boom and just like run that fuck that's good yeah it was good damn it you were a hustler <laughs> That's cool, man. Okay, so you're skating. I like skating. this. I like this life picture I'm starting to get of you taking the bus every day, eating green burritos. Oh, I moved out. I think that's probably important to, Where'd you to go? know. I moved into, my mom let me move into my friend's house. At what I, age? I was 13. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I ask her all the time. I'm like, so did you, what the? Like, like why, mom? And she's like, I didn't even notice. She's like, I didn't know. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't know? <laughs> like, mom, a kid was gone. No. <laughs> But honestly, I think like they just had a lot of, I, they had a lot of, she had a lot of trust yeah. in in me that I was going to be all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so she just wasn't worried about it. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. If I was a single mom and I had three kids. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, it's fine. Just Do take a thing. few days. Yeah, she I feel like that about, about my it. dog right now. It's like yeah. literally if you want to just go away for a week or whatever, like I won't ask, you yeah. know, just check in. Yeah, she wasn't worried about it. Um, and I was passionate about skateboarding and like she knew I was really passionate about this thing. Yeah. Around that same era, my uncle Rick, uh, started cream. I don't know if you remember cream sports, but that was super dope. And so he would lace me up with a lot of stuff and uh, a lot of trips to SF, just the fresh era, that whole. Yeah. It seems fun. Oh dude. It was everything. Yeah. Um, so then what going into high school, did you always like relatively stay out of trouble? No, man. I mean, I got arrested for the first time uh, in like junior high, seventh, eighth grade. I got arrested for for hustling. I had some Mm -hmm. some uh, plants on me that I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And then you were doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. 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 But was that the only major arrest or major? That and I guess the other man, you're just gonna get me in so much trouble. Oh yeah, dude. we're going deep here. Shit. We want the whole story. Because when we take we, this is what happens when we take you up to the <laughs> to the bright side, it's gonna be like, damn, he went through all that. Oh shit. man, uh, so so there was there was getting arrested in school. I got arrested on the last day of seventh grade. For what? Um for selling weed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had an organized system though. I had a girlfriend who uh was an ASB, so she gave me a separate locker. And so What's ASB? ASB is like the school board or whatever. Oh. And so she hooked me up with the second locker. So I had an organized Damn, system you had a of plug, like, dude, in the government. nickels on the top, dimes on the bottom of just like the CD. So you were in school, ever. like, yo, meet me at yeah, Locker no, was, 23. Dude, it, was, I'm gonna... it was a good hustle. Fuck. Yeah. Um, damn, so you've always been like kind of organized and like, I know what I'm doing here. Um, so then you got in trouble for that too. So, okay, so you were getting in trouble. You're still skateboarding through this I was getting in trouble, but thing? skating, you know, um, and doing my thing. Got arrested for stealing once. That sucked. Mm-hmm. Got in a lot of trouble um, on a on a skate trip, 
and we just we caused like eight thousand dollars damage mm-hmm. to this hotel room. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty bad kid, dude. Once like thirteen, fourteen hit, yeah. it was like skate trouble. Um, you know, it was just that yeah. era of doing whatever I wanted. Yeah, and you're still at that point. You're still shooting with the goal of being a pro skateboarder. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then what? You dropped out of high school. I dropped out of high school. Yeah, like a couple years before that, um, my dad was in prison again, and he gets out, and this time he had to go to Ohio. Mm-hmm. And so for safety reasons, um, I was told I have to go to Ohio for a summer. And this is like 97, uh-huh. and this is right after I'm living in Glendora. Um, backtrack a bit. At, at that time in eighth grade as well, uh, I met my cousin's best friend, and her name was Alana. Uh and um, she was like super, super cute girl, Mm -hmm. and she didn't like me at all because um, she thought I was a troublemaker. Yeah, because you were selling fucking weed out of the Yeah, whatever, dude. (laughs) And wearing stolen Timberlands. Anyway. (laughs) And so, yeah, it was cool, though, but I didn't see her for 10 years after that, which is, you know, she's my wife now. You're so good at, like, because I saw that on your social media, too. Where was that for? What was that for? That was um, because that? I was told in a therapy session that I'm not creative. Damn, recently? Uh, three months before I made the coolest video of all time. And I went back to the moment we were, we met. I, I went back to that high school in eighth grade and I went back to the moment that I met Alana and how I experienced that moment. And made a video. And made a video of with, it. With your kids, like fake my fighting? Kid, my kids, because there's a second scene. So I met Alana in 94. Five yep. era and then oh that's the follow-up and then the follow-up was that fight scene on the video you guys got to go back and watch it yeah what tell them your instagram now we'll tell them again at the end my instagram is a uh, kevion that's it that's it K-E-V-I-O-N. you wonder why because there's no other kevion no, there God is actually damn it. There you, need is. To, you need to take that <laughs> anyway so what you did was you made a video recreating i why do i feel like that was, it wasn't for like your birthday or like for it was the anniversary it was a anniversary 13, 13 year anniversary yep yeah so you made a video of how you met and then how you re-met so exactly so what happened is your cousin's friend and you guys met like where at school or something we met at school at eight, in eighth grade in glendora and how did you not oh you didn't see each other for 10 years because mm-hmm. you left i'm all over the place yeah. yeah i mean i went to 17 schools by the time i was in 11th grade jesus christ yeah and so, did you like did she like I don't know if I should ask with you here because, of course, he's going to say yes. But, like, did you always – was it something you always thought about? Like, that Here's girl? the weird thing. Uh-huh. Here's the weird thing. Don't so, lie. in eighth grade, in eighth grade, I got everybody to vote for her. So, my way of hitting on her, uh-huh. I went to everybody and I'm like, hey, um, you know, we got to vote for stuff, best dress, best this. I was like, vote for Alana for best smile. Uh-huh. Everybody did. and I didn't even know anybody. Did I'm you the say new he's kid. not creative. I'm the new kid at the school, and I'm going up to these strangers saying, "Hey, who are you voting for for yeah. best smile?" And they're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Well, vote for Alana," and then she got it, Damn. and then I disappeared. You know what I mean? I literally disappeared. It's like a movie, yeah. or you were too busy selling drugs. After <laughs> <life>. <laughs> no, but okay. what's interesting is I saw a photo um, when I'm like. Five years after that, right, when, around the time I was 19, and in the background of the photo was Alana's photo that she gave me in eighth grade. Kind of creepy, I guess. Yeah. But mm-hmm. anyways, I kept that photo that whole time. Well, I think you're creative. Thanks, and I dude. don't know if it's worth anything, but that's what yeah. I think. Okay, so, so 
Keep going. So you go to Ohio. When, sorry, 97 when hits. You, yeah. And I go right after, you know, meeting Alana and all that. And uh, I'm told I got to go to Ohio. And this is like peak of that fresh era, that that skating, Lockwood, Chafee, yeah. my friends coming up, all this stuff. And I have to move to a 30-acre farm in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's like torture. And I'm told I'm going to be there for a summer. And I'm end up being there for over a year. Jesus. Yeah, it was crazy. Did you skate in Ohio? Skated in Ohio. Cincinnati's um, like, if, if there's probably like the best place to be a skateboarder in Ohio, it's probably Cincinnati. Dude, I met a crew pretty quick. It yeah. was kind of rad. My dad, I think, was bummed that uh, he knew I was bummed. Like there was this 10 foot patch of cement on this farm. Yeah. And so I literally like go try to do a kickflip, turn around. And it was, it's terrible. Yeah. So he found out where all the dudes were that skated and took me there. And they were, you know, they were like, damn, this, who is this little kid? Yeah. And so I met, I got a crew over there pretty quickly. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. So did you do a year of high school in? I did. I, I think I started high school in Cincinnati, which Got was it. a major culture shock. Because at the school that I went to, it was called Turpin in a pocket called Anderson Township. Mm -hmm. It was like really wealthy white or really um, poor white yep. or and some few black kids. Yep. And then me. And they didn't know if I was Mexican or Indian. Yeah, and like true, yeah. kids were talking crap. I'd never really experienced racism. Yeah. But there was a crew there that um, was talking a lot of shit. And I remember it took like two weeks and coming home bummed every single day. Yeah. And my dad just saying, all right, dude, do what you need to do uh -huh. to take care of it. But please do your best to not get into trouble because you just got kicked out. Yeah. Right. And um, I got in my first major fight. It was tight. After that, they were like, yeah, it was on. It was sick. Your dad's fucking dope. Yeah, he was dope. That's such cool, like, advice. Like, you know what? Go do what you need to do. Yeah, it was don't sick. Don't get caught. Yeah. You know? I'd never punch So what'd you do? just walk in, like, the first guy that so said something So it was this kid. I was, like, in... <laughs> I was... Dude, it was so crazy. I was in ninth grade, and he was in 10th grade, and he would just mess with me. He'd be like, you're dirty, you're this. You know, I'm, like, rocking the dopest Nautica jacket you could find yeah. at that time. You're yeah. dirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just say whack jokes. And basically, I just remember going up to him, and he says something... And then I go, why are you, you know, why are you always talking shit, dude? Yeah. And he turns around and he's like, why don't you go back to where you came from, culture? Because I had this shirt on for this company in, in Cincinnati called uh -huh. Culture. And I just remember looking to the right, like I was going to walk away and boom, just socking this kid so hard in the face. It felt <laughs> so good. And we're just brawling. I'm kneeing him. Like I destroy this kid and he's a lot bigger than me. After that. It was like on at that school. Fuck. Yeah, it was it was tight. <laughs> oh man, it's, this is like a movie. Um, <laughs> so okay, what, what were you gonna say? The craziest part is how I got home. Yes, that's that was gonna be my next question. So, my dad's obviously there, and it's kind of a he had to change his last name. There's a lot of stuff going on. So, if you can tell me, like, is your dad there as part of some sort of like, like let's get you away? Yeah. From it was a bit of that. Got it. So you don't really know. Do you know all that? Or you're just like, I don't know. I'm going with my dad. I know I know a fair amount of details at that point. Uh, and I know my dad's trying to to, to trying to get on the, a new path, yep. right? And, and so, like, me being there, my sister Marina being there, my brother being there, like, he really wanted to 
um, get on a new path. Yep. And so, you know, we're on this farm. He's trying to start something new. He's working at some random place. And he was dating this girl. And I remember um, we were up at like three in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he got in some fight with her. And I remember him getting a page, like he had a pager, right? And looking down at this this call and just saying, something's weird about this. And me and my dad are just having one of these nights and it's literally like 3.30 in the morning. He calls the number back and it's this girl that he got into a fight with. Uh -huh. And she's like, you know, I'm sorry, can you come meet me and pick me up? I'm at this gas station in Kentucky. Uh -huh. And he's like, okay. And so my dad and I get in the car. Like, I remember my whole outfit, dude. I'm wearing some, like, black uh, ES Excels, yep. some some cargos from Old Navy, and a, and a cream sweater. Uh -huh. And it's, like, 4 in the morning. My dad and I drive across the um, the Ohio the Ohio River into Kentucky. Sun's starting to come up. We pull into this gas station, and it's empty. And, like, 10 minutes later, we just get swarmed by cops, right? Like left, right, in front of us, everywhere. Get your hands up. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad just looks at me and he goes, this is fucked. He's just slowly reach into my pocket. There's some money. Do whatever you need to do to get home. Mm -hmm. So I reach into his pocket. I get some money out. They take him. They put me in a cop car. And I had my board, uh, my Game Boy and the 500 bucks in my pocket. And they take me to the police station and <laughs> I'm sitting in the lobby and I already know what I'm gonna do. Like the second I can, I'm out. Uh -huh. The second somebody looks away, I just dip out of that police station. I think I'm in Kentucky, I don't know, somewhere. Yeah. And I just skating as fast as I can and I make it to a Greyhound, I call my mom and she's like, I'm sending, you know, bug, take a flight home. I'm like, I got 500 bucks in my pocket. I'm taking a Greyhound home, yeah. it's 80 bucks, I'm keeping the rest of this yeah, money. Yeah, like, mom, I'm rich She's now, like, no, we, don't, <laughs> we don't really need to talk anymore. <laughs> and so I took the bus home, I was 13, 14, I took a bus home by myself from Cincinnati, Ohio, and that's how I got home from Ohio. Yeah, well, that's crazy. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> fuck, all right, episode's over. Um, damn. Okay, so, so you get back home and you're like, yo, mom, sorry, shit got a little crazy there in Ohio. Yeah. Let's start 10th grade. Let's do this to start 10th grade, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. What was, here's what was cool. When we left, it was like my mom was still struggling trying to figure things out. And yeah. I know that was really hard for my mom to send her three kids to Ohio. Mm -hmm. But when we came back, my mom had her own place in Orange County. Mm -hmm. She had gotten her dream car. Yep. Which was, you know, she got a range discovery. I, I didn't even recognize anything. Yeah. And she started working at this real estate training company, basically like a Tony Robbins for realtors. Got it. Because when you get into real estate, you don't learn anything. It's like, here's your license, here's your desk, here's your phone, go figure out how to make money. Yeah. So life coaching and stuff like that is very big in the real estate world. Yeah. And my mom, when we, when we left, she luckily got a job at this place, uh, this real estate training company. Mm -hmm. So we moved back 98. My mom's got her own place and dope car, and she's, like, dating some dude. Um, so life's good. Life was all right. And it would suck, though, because all my friends were far. All my friends were in the IE. Yep. And so that I didn't know anybody in Orange County. 
So what happens like, Jesus Christ. So then you go back to like your skateboarding and you're kind of like sort of trying to rebuild what you used to do or definitely like... trying to rebuild what I used to do. And it was just far. Like yeah. back then when you're 17 years old, 45 miles is a long way oh, to drive. Yeah. Um, but that year that I spent in Ohio, I also got my first set of turntables. Um, and I had a record collection, like pretty deep. Um, and so that kind of DJing kind of became my new, um, passion. Yeah. That's interesting. You know what I mean? I wanted to be like a track or yeah. craze, yeah. you know, like I would watch those DJ battles religiously. Did you ever pursue that at all really? Or not? Really? Um, I was never really in like a DMC battle or anything like that, but I was definitely getting paid yeah. to DJ. You know, I think the biggest thing I ever DJed in front of was like five thousand people, like That's a red a man, method people. man thing. You know? I don't know. Like there was this one time when I kind of <laughs> did this like little thing. You know, it was uh, I don't know if you ever heard of red man or method man, but like it was sort of this uh, arena. You know, but whatever. Uh, no, I'm like yeah, I was getting hooked up with gear from like Circa for DJing. It was crazy because I just listened to the um, podcast with Creative Rec, and before yeah. Creative Rec, it was Force, and yep. Force was sending me shoes, and it was all for DJing, and it was like wow, this is tight. Yeah. So did that take you sort of, did that sort of water down your skateboarding dreams a little bit? It did. Yeah, it did. And it just wasn't the same when I got back. Yep. But my really good friend at that time, JP Jadid, like he would drive out from the IE and stay with me. We'd go on like late night skate sessions. Yeah. But it was more about going to shows. Like yep. really, it was like, let's go to a show. Let's go to, you know, catch like whoever. Yeah. You know, yeah. JP would take me to a lot of different concerts i was tight and then you dropped out of high school yeah what grade i dropped out in 11th grade right so basically in 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 one 90 day period i remember multiple things happened mm -hmm. um one was one of our friends that uh i skated with uh he od'd mm -hmm. and died um two I found out that uh, I was going to be a father, uh -huh. which wasn't really my plan in my junior year of high school. Yep, not usually, usually isn't. Yeah, and then um, three was I just made the decision to drop out. Like I was hustling and working all these little jobs, like sales jobs, telemarketing jobs. I would go to where my mom worked yep. and get on the phones yep. and make a sale, and she'd make a hundred bucks from it, and she'd give me like ten bucks. Yeah, and so. I was looking at all these different hustles that I was doing, and when I got that news, um, it's the scariest thing in the world. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I'm 30 years thing. old and relatively successful. If I got that news tomorrow, I'd be like, <laughs> fuck, it's all over. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you drop out like sort of with the mentality of like, I can't worry about school, I have real shit to worry about now? School was doing absolutely nothing for me at that point in my life. Yep. I had been to 17 different schools. I was mm -hmm. just hanging out. Yep. You know, like, it just, there was no value was there. And I needed going. to make money. I think my junior year of high school, I still made like probably 40 grand with hustles. Yeah. So it was like, what am I doing? Yeah, you're just a hustler. And then, so obviously no college. So when did, was real estate the first thing that you started to take seriously? Or like of all the hustles when you're like, oh, this is something I could actually maybe have a career in. Is that how it worked or not really? No. So basically what happened was I remember, and before I get into to 
to where real estate came in, yeah. I was basically calling myself a life coach, right? There was there was one. I love that you're sorry. Yeah. I just love that you're like a 17 year old high school dropout with a baby on the way life coach. For sure. And you're like, trust me, listen to me. I, 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 I might have made some mistakes, but I, <laughs> I can tell you how not to do. Yeah, and, and the very first person who I ever call myself a life coach to, I have to tell you. So basically, it was one night. We were, I was at the El Rey Theater. It was like a visionary show. I'm with JP, I'm with Ryan. And these two dudes were like kind of staring at us. Asian dude and this this white dude. And I'm outside the El Rey with JP. And I'm like, what are these dudes staring at? Mm -hmm. And the white kid comes up and he goes, hey, are you JP Jadid? And he's like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, yeah, my name's Scotty. I'm with LRG. We want to give you some clothes. Uh And I, this was maybe like 90, late 98, 99. Uh And I remember seeing a mixtape from LRG, a tape, like an actual tape, like a kids. Cassette tape, yeah. Like cassette tape. Yep. And thinking, and not knowing what LRG was, and I was just like, it had like a mic man on it, it had this slogan on it, and I was like, damn, this is dope, mm-hmm. whatever these guys do. Mm-hmm. And JP was about to get on Maddox. Long story short, um, the following Monday, we go to the LRG headquarters, mm-hmm. right? And dude, it's, it's, it's half the size of this office. Uh-huh. And How it, old was LRG at that time? Like brand, brand new? Less than a year. Yeah. And um, I, JP told them, he's like, oh, you should, you know, you should hook up my boy Kev too. He's a dope DJ. And yep. they're like, all right, well, bring, bring, have him come through too. And so we're at LRG and we're just talking and chilling. And um, I remember we walk out and I had this dope little Audi, you know, I'm like 17 years old. I have a Audi, it's all fixed up, A4. And I remember Jonas being like, damn, you got that from DJing? And uh, I was like, no, I'm a life coach. Fuck, that's cool. Yeah. Damn it. I need to start using that. <laughs> you know, like, yo, you, what do you do, man? Like, oh, I'm a life coach. Which was crazy. Like, fast forward years more, he would always introduce people to me as his best friend, which is kind of weird when you're 30 years old introducing to somebody as your best friend. Yeah. Or he would introduce me to people as his life coach. Like, he introduced me to Kanye as his life coach. And I remember Kanye like looking at me like it was it was weird. Also, I shouldn't say that. I won't say that. Okay, okay. Well, let me just say this: for the rest of my life, whenever I refer to you, I'm going to refer to you as my life coach, Dope. whether we're together Hell or yeah. whether Thanks, probably man. tomorrow on my Instagram caption, I'm going to be like, "Yo, new podcast is up with my life coach, Kevin." Please um, do. Um, that's incredible. So, did he not even? That's when you first met Jonas. That was when I first met Jonas. Like that is such a life changing because for the next ten years, ninety nine to two thousand ten, my life was LRG. Yep. Like people didn't know if I worked at LRG, if I was a real estate dude, yep. or if I was a life coach. Yep. But what I put out there the most in that ten years was LRG, and I never once got a paycheck from LRG. And what it was just anything, right? It was just like. You're just in the mix, and like, if it means you're doing a marketing thing or you're connecting people, or you're like, whatever it is, you're yeah, just part of it. Part of it. And what was cool is that he made me part of it, though. So, like, we met that time at, at I tell him they're at the LRG headquarters, size of your office, right? Like, yo, I'm a life coach. And he's yeah. like, damn, what's that all about? I'd never told that to another human being. Yeah, so you're like, I don't really know yet, but, uh, I'm, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I remember telling him, I'm like, you know, basically, I help people get from where they're at to where they want to go. And he's like, damn, that's tight. I need that. 
And he's like, why don't you, you should come through my house sometime. I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so it gives me his number. And I remember the funniest thing is, was interesting is he lived two blocks. He was renting a room from this dude that had a skate shop in Costa Mesa. Uh-huh. He had no car. He was renting a room from this cat. And he lived two blocks from where I lived at with my mom, uh-huh. which was tight because I hardly had any friends. Yeah, It was just random though because he's like, I go there, I get to his house, and he's the garage is open. He's like, "You lift, you lift weights," and I was like, "Nah, I don't, I don't really lift." Weights. He's like, "We should lift some weights." I'm like, "Did right. he lift weights at the time, or I he was just kinda. aspiring to?" You're supposed to be the life coach, right? Yeah, so like, hell yeah, yeah we like, should oh, lift yeah, some yeah, weights. Let's lift some weights. Yeah, that's number one on my thing. That was Dude. part of my plan. And so we're chilling. <laughs> we do that, and then we go inside, and he's like showing me all this stuff, like really kind of putting me up on game. He's like, "Have you seen these kicks?" And he's showing me like these Air Maxes I had never seen. Yep. And he's like, "You ever heard of this group?" And it was a Thievery Corporation CD. I'd never listened to anything besides hip hop. Yep. I was like, "Wow, that's tight." Nah, man. He's like, "Take this, take this. Just giving me stuff." And we just kind of vibed out and talked about the life coaching thing. And he's like, "Look, dude, like I can't pay you." for this, but I'll give you whatever gear you want if you just help me with your goals. Yeah. Like, help me set my goals. Yeah, You know, I've never set any goals before. And so I was like, yeah, dude, I got you. Like, I love the gear that you guys make. I'm down. Yeah. He's like, all right, tight. But Fuck the very cool. last thing he did before I left the house was what really kind of embodies who he was. <laughs> and so... Mind you, like I'm literally like allergies, like, allergies, do do? nothing at this time. Uh-huh. And you know, he's not like he was lifting weights. Obviously, trying to get in shape. He wasn't like in shape or anything. And I'm walking out the door, and he's like, "Yo, take a couple of these." And he gives me a couple headshots of himself. Where he got these headshots, I have no idea. And he gives me a couple headshots, and with the straightest look on his face, he goes, "Give these to any birds, you know." And I start busting up laughing, and he has the straightest look on his face. And that was it. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, this dude is out of my, out of his mind. This dude is out of his mind. Damn, I need to write this stuff down. Yeah. I, this, I literally just created five new things that I do yeah, now. It was because sick, of, dude. And from and from, literally that was, and you left like I all left. Right, man. And I'm like, holy shit. Did you ever hand one out? Nah, I wish I still had some. Uh, Maybe I don't know. We did. We we had some. And was he always yeah. like? I didn't know him at all. But was he always like that? Like, did he always have like? Dude, from getting to know, him, becoming part of his family. You know, he has uh, his whole family is adopted. Uh-huh. Like, except he has one brother that's blood. I believe seven adopted brothers and from sisters, all different places? all different parts of the world. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, black, Vietnamese, Filipino, and. It's, it's seriously like the most beautiful family, like yeah. a real life rainbow. Yeah. Um, and they didn't grow up with much. You know, his parents like were teachers and it, it wasn't easy. But um, everybody that I that, that knew him before, like I was, I text so many people last night. Yo, what's your favorite uh, Jonah story? Yeah. And one of his friends, Matt Sheridan, texted me back. He's like, dude, when he went to prom with this girl and all he wore was a bow tie. Like he wore a bow tie to prom. And that was it. But like, well, he wore pants. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like what What kind of pants? What do you mean? He just wore pants and a bow tie and that was it. Like he knew, dude. No like, shirt. No shirt. Just a bow tie. Damn it. 
Yeah, he was. And they sick. let him, like they let him. They let him do his thing. Yeah, they let him do his thing. Like holy fuck, confidence, creativity, the funniest cat, like hilarious, the wit, like he could destroy you, make you feel so low and so inspired at the exact same time. Yeah, it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Um. So I guess. What did you? Because we're gonna come back to sort of your your own personal journey, but like as you started on that yeah. path, were you actually doing sort of um, going through routines and stuff with him? Yeah, tr- actually acting as a life coach. So every week, it was usually on Wednesdays. Um, they would come to my house, and I would teach them. It wasn't like BS. I didn't call myself a life coach for no reason. I was. I think I did the firewalk with Tony Robbins for the first time when I was seventeen, and I oh, was really? quick to get it. So he's been Jesus Christ. He's been firewalking for that long, dude. Way before that, even. And you, yeah. fuck. I think he's. I think his first steps on Earth were actually out of on yeah, fire. out of the womb onto yeah. fire. Yeah. Okay, so I have so many questions, but I'm gonna try to like condense them and actually tell a good story here. Um. So did you first get sort of put on to life coaching because of your mom's situation? So my dad sent me Tony Robbins' book from prison when I was 13, right? And then also he would introduce me to these things called visual um, – I have some visual imagery, something. Like when I was skating in Castle, yeah. I would draw out – I would go to the, the, the venue and yeah. draw out the, the, you know, the boxes here – the pyramids here, the the bank is here, and I would draw out the course and then write my lines and then sit there and visualize like what uh, tricks I would like do. Yeah. And so I got that stuff from my dad. Got it. Um, but then my mom um, got really into it when when we were gone in and moved to Ohio. She got really into all the personal development stuff. And then you came back and she had all this shit. Yeah, and I just rebelled instead of like catching on to it. Yeah, that's um, fucking interesting. Because I still, I still, I'm a big fan of like self help books and some of Tony Robbins stuff and whatever. But like, I still have this piece of me that's like, ah, oh, it's all bullshit. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like, yeah. I still battle in my head of like, no, it actually does work, or no, it's a bunch of horseshit. And I mean, I'm, I'm leaning more towards the it works, and like, I'm big on it. But I'm just saying, like, anytime I hear a story of sort of, I went away. My mom got really into it. And when I came back, she actually had the shit she was hoping for. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, shit. I mean, I can't really it poke works. a hole in that. All I know is that whatever you think about, whatever you focus on, whatever you tell yourself over and over and over and over, good or bad, is going to come true. Yeah. Period. End of story. But what type of... And we're skipping fucking light years mm-hmm. ahead right now, and we'll go back. But is like... What's your number one thing that you tell yourself? Because what I don't like is watching like The Secret mm-hmm. when it's like, oh, I had my dream house on a dream board. Sure. And sure enough, one day I woke up and I was living in that house. Yeah. Like, shut up. Yeah. But like, what do you like? What sort of like, what do you what's the main thing? Is it like sort of you're capable, you're smart enough, you're or is it? You I think I mean? the main thing is knowing what your gift is, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not hard work. The dudes who built this amazing building, the people who are building the roads, yeah. people who b- are building the houses, the people who built the created these mics, people who are making your clothes, they're working really, really, really hard. Yeah. Are they living out their dreams? Probably not. Yeah. They're just working hard. So what we know to be true is that hard work is not the answer. 
But I do believe that knowing what your gift is, and there's a difference between your gift and your passion, right? Huge. I can be passionate about basketball. It's not in my cards. Huge. So you, you, I think you've got to know what your gift is and know that your gift is whatever you do the best with the least amount of effort. And yep. if you can tap into that thing and invest those 10,000 hours, yep. then guess what? You're going to get the house. You're going to get the car. You're going to get the fulfillment. Yeah. Not just by putting it on a piece of paper and looking at it every day. You've yeah. got to know what's your gift. What's that thing that you're going to do better than anybody else? I want to write a book called Abandon Your Dreams. And it's about... Um, like how parents, like I'm a firm believer that parents should sort of monitor their, their children mm. and sort of like if your kid's a shitty singer, like stop telling That's them that great. they can be a singer because you're going to fuck their life <laughs> up, right? Because they're going to realize at 24 they're a shitty <laughs> singer and now yeah. they have zero other goals or passions. Either way, that's good because maybe they're going to, maybe they need that thing to push them over to the top to actually become a good singer so that they could say, well, mom True, told too. me I wasn't. So either way, it's a great book. True also. Because what gets me is like, like we said, when I, and I think about this for myself too, but it applies to you. Like when we're both 16 years old and all we want in the world is to be professional skateboarders and whatever. Like I now, I always say this, I wouldn't trade my life with any professional skateboarder that I know. I'm guessing you wouldn't either. Right. Um, and I just think like you kind of get so dead set on this is the only life for me. And it turns out that if you actually follow shit that you're good at and wake up every morning with a purpose and something to grow and learn, you you find yourself in a way happier, more fulfilled life than you ever actually thought you even deserved. Yes. Right? Like I thought that at best I deserved to live in a studio apartment in LA and work at a skate shop. Right. I thought like I barely deserved that. Yeah. And looking at my life now, it's like I never would have even thought to ask for this. It's amazing. You know, whatever. It's amazing. Anyway, so let's go back and then we'll get more on that stuff. Is so you're actually doing you had already got into the life coaching stuff, yeah. gone to the Tony Robbins stuff, and you were really into that. So then when you started working with Jonas, you were actually doing things, setting yeah, goals Yeah, so like my business and... card for LRG said team coach. And so every Wednesday, so I ended up getting the job where my mom worked at also because, you know, I, was, I had a kid, yeah. right? My son was born in 2000. Yep. And so I'm 18 years old and I'm like, mom, like you're giving me 10 bucks. You're making a hundred bucks. Some yeah. of the sales that I've made for you, you're making five hundred bucks. So I just kind of went past her a little bit and That's went amazing. straight to the sales manager. And I was like, "Look, dude, um, I'm about to have a kid, and I already know these scripts. You see me showing up here after school, making sales for my mom. I need a job." Yeah. And he's like, "Well, what about school?" I was like, "I'm done." He's like, "You're done? Oh, why didn't you tell me that?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm done, dude." Yeah, I finished. It was great. <laughs> so um, I start working there in. Uh, 99 2000 and at the same time after uh, work usually at least once or twice a week Jonas would come through with the whole crew I had a whole um, I mean I'm 18 years old I had a whole whiteboard in my room at the time I still lived at home with my mom obviously uh -huh. and um, I would write out different ways to uh, believe in yourself how to set set goals how to write visions um, I introduced them to something called the seven equities so like, I'll just show it to you, but if you zoom in on that, it's pretty crazy. So those are Jonas's goals that I've never put those like publicly anywhere. I don't want to, but I'll show you. So those are his goals that I got him. And I have the same ones from Scotty and uh, Mikey, a lot of the original crew on um, the seven equities. So we would write out goals five to 10 years out and I would get them to be specific about what they wanted um, out of the seven equities, which is mind, body, soul, family, friends, business, and money. 
Jesus Christ. So, and it's crazy looking back at that because those goals, he destroyed those goals. Like he murdered those goals, but they were so big at that time. I remember. Man, that's cool. Yeah, it's, that's that's fucking cool. cool. Um, and you just came up with all this shit. No, I learned. Of... I learned it. You know, I didn't come up with any of it. I learned it through. But I mean, you came up with like we're gonna sit down. You yeah. knew what the seven things were, yeah. right? But you're like, we're gonna sit down and carve out yours, and this is what yes. we're gonna do, and blah yeah. blah blah. And you're doing this all just for fun. Just for the gear, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I love the LRG, and and I, I I knew that they were going to go somewhere crazy. Like I knew it mainly because of who Jonas was. Yeah. Like I knew that they were going to be legendary. And I wanted to be a part of it by any means. And so even if he didn't give me the gear, just to be in there and like see it. And there was never a day when you're like, hey, bro, I noticed uh, you did 50 million in sales this year. Just wondering. Dude, he looked out for me so much. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm pretty sure my grandma um, still has bags of LRG that she hasn't opened yet because they had a you know the women's brand for a while. Yeah, I mean you know, and he was also was my son's godfather. He was one of the first people I told that I was going to have a kid. Yep. And um, so he was also my son, my first son Eli's godfather. It's crazy. And dude, I got to experience it all. He would take me on trips and just you know I didn't have to be involved with like the nitty gritty stuff yeah. that was going on. I did my own thing in real estate and. Um, personal development yeah so it's just crazy i feel like most people would like you know you just reach a point where you're like ah yeah i get it but like i should probably start asking for some shit you know what i mean like that's pretty incredible that relationship that whole thing is pretty amazing i just felt like that would affect our friendship you know if i got on payroll or something but that's where most people flip right when you're talking about the amount of business that lrg was doing most people Stop caring about the, stop putting the friendship first and right. put the like, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, which I, it's, it's amazing. Did you ever, was there anyone else that you ever worked with that like thoroughly or was it really just uh, Richard Mulder. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Mulder and a lot of other just young kids. Like I've always been really passionate about working with the youth yeah. on how to do this stuff. And they've just, I've gravitated to them more. And I think they've gra- gravitated to me because it's like, who am I to be doing any of this stuff? I just yeah. got lucky. I just got handed the book, you know what I mean? So um, I worked with a lot, thousands of young young kids, and, and we'll get on to something that, that occurred with a program like that in a little bit. Yeah. But that, okay. that 2000 to, to, to 04, 05, um, I left that real estate training company place around 03, and I physically started selling real estate. Yeah. In, Can I take it back to a really basic question? Yeah. What's the test to get your real estate license? Is it simply like law, legalities and shit? Basically, yeah. Is it super easy? I failed that test more than anybody that I know. Because it's hard or because you didn't? Because I have attention? horrible study habits. Yeah. Most people pass it on their first Sam. When did you pass yours? Second? Second time. Second time. Uh, how many did it take you? <sighs> Seven? That's even, they even let you try that many times? <laughs> It should be like driving. Like, you know what, man? I don't choose anything else. So here, I got to say this too, because so 2002, 2003, that real estate company where my mom was working at, I became like the number one salesperson there. I was 19. I started making 20 grand a month um, and it was pretty sick. And honestly, going into 2003, I got a kind of a big head. Like I got my own place. I have a CLK, right? I'm like doing whatever I want and I start showing up late. And I kept getting warned 
that, dude, because you're the number one salesperson, you have to be early. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. And then one day I get called in from the big boss. I didn't even know the big boss actually was ever in that zone. And they're mm -hmm. like, Kevin Sturdivant, blah, 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 wants to see you in his office. And I go into his office. I'm like, oh, shit, Kevin might be even in this place. Yeah. Like, this guy is highly influential in the real estate world. Yep. And he puts a penny on the table. And he's like, you see this table? This is my whole company. You see this penny? This is you. This is the difference that you make in this company. And he flicks it off. So I want you to pack up your ish, get the F out of my office, come back in 30 days, and maybe I'll give you your job back. I was like, <laughs> dude, I had maybe, I had, I was making 20 grand a month. Yeah. So I made some 200 grand in 2002, and I maybe had seven or eight grand in my account. Yeah. yeah. I'm spending all of it. Yeah, I never 100%. think this party's going to end. Yep. So now you're just screwed? I'm screwed. Or I, I, 2003, I am screwed. I'm trying. I'm like, F that guy. I'm never going back there. I should have gone back there. Yeah. I should have gone back in 30 days and asked for my job back. Yeah. But I'm base I basically spend a year because I, I was like, I'm going into real estate. I'll have my test in 30 days. Fail it. Shit. Failed it. Failed it. So each time I failed it, I, I wasted 90 days. You have to wait 90 days? Back in the day, you did. In 04, 13 years ago. So you took ago. it seven times with 90 days in between Dude, each one? Dude, it took me a year. Holy fuck. That's a story in itself. My oh. three-year journey to become to pass my it test. It was unreal. It was unreal. And so I'm, I'm basically getting paid under the table to make cold calls for other real estate agents for a year. Yep. Finally passed a test in 2004. And um, I had like, I had developed a name in the industry. So I had multiple people like, Kev, you got to work for me. Kev, you got to work for me. And I had two issues at the time. Number one, I looked really young. And that was a, a fear for me. Yep. And number two, um, I didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. I was check to check. And I knew that it was going to be at least 100 days before I was holding on to any money. Uh -huh. So my whole life, starting from... 16, 17, I learned about affirmations. Mm -hmm. And affirmations are when you say, like you say, oh man, I'm sleepy. That's mm -hmm. an affirmation. If you say I'm a legend, that's an affirmation. Yeah. Long story short, I created these two affirmations in 04. And one of them was, I, Kevin Sturdivant, easily and effortlessly attract the perfect pearl white 745 LI with tan interior and 22 inch HREs for absolutely free. And everything I do allows that to happen. That was one. And I created that because I knew that if I had $100,000, seven, brand new, and the body style changed, I'm good. No one's going to say nothing about my age. Yeah. That was what I thought at the time, at least. Number two, I said, I, Kevin Sturdivant, easily and effortlessly attract $25,000, and everything I do allows that to happen. I didn't care where it came from. I didn't care how it came. That was my affirmation that I started saying in One the beginning time. every day. For over a hundred days, I said that. Were you asking for one payment of twenty five thousand dollars? Yes, I needed it. Why I needed 25? one check because my expenses were six, seven grand a month. Uh -huh. So I'm like, I'm not going to see any money. Oh, so you just had to get by. I needed, I need a hundred days yep. so I can fully pursue this thing. Yep. Passed the test finally, April two thousand four, and a grip of people are calling me, and this one dude. I'm living in um, Beverly Hills area at the time, Santa Monica. And a guy in San Dimas is like, Kev, you got to come work for me. 
was like, dude, I'm not going to San Dimas. Like, I've worked too hard to yeah. get out of there. <laughs> 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 to go, I'm not going back. And he goes, tell me what it's going to take. Tell me what it's going to take. I was like, I'm being sarcastic. I'm like, I don't know, dude. Give me 25 Gs and give me a 7 Series. Maybe I'll think about it. God damn it. Did he do it? He calls me the next day. He's like, hey, when we were talking, you mentioned something about 25 grand. Were you serious? And I'm broke at the time. And I'm like, I don't know why. He's like, look, I can't get you a $100,000 car, but I could give you 25 grand if you're willing to come and sign a contract with me for two years. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I was not thinking like that it was going to come that way. Yeah. And so my friend at the time was like, hey, if he's willing to give you the 25000 I bet you anything you could get the car. So I come up with this whole reason why I should also get the car. How many homes I'm going to sell, the difference I'm going to make for your company because I'm now coaching people and the value of the coaching is $1,000 a month. So times 10, that's $100,000 worth of coaching. If each of those people adds one deal to their current production, we're talking 30 mil in closed volume I'm adding plus the plus 100 grand in coaching plus this, plus this, plus this. At the end of that meeting, he's like, let me think about it. Calls me the next Monday, and he's like, check your fax. Uh, fax machine. Yeah. <laughs> this is fax machines back then. And it's this thing that's coming up. And it says a sale BMW at the top, Monrovia. And it says, pick your options. And it was white, and it was a brand new 2004 with zero miles. I called them. He's like, if you're willing to sign a two-year... Mind you, I've never sold a house at this time. I've never seen the purchase contract. I've never seen a listing agreement. Mm -hmm. All I had was this rep that I'm a great closer. Yeah. I just put my, my, my marker through, through every single option on the right side. Boom. <laughs> I mean, like massage seats dude wow. champagne holders yeah. and then the next week it was right after my 22nd and i get the check uh -huh. a twenty-five thousand dollar check this is unheard of people you don't get sign on bonuses in real estate yeah especially when you it just took you five months to pass your test <laughs> yeah i just found the footage of jp um driving me to the bmw dealership to pick it up so you get the check and then it, you go it's pick on. up the car I pick up the I pick up the car. God damn it! So then you, yeah, it was sick. It was it was pretty tight. We need to work on some affirmations as soon as this is Let's over. Let's do this, dog. Um, holy cow! Okay, so at that point, do you by any chance also feel like you have some sort of magic powers? Because I feel like if I was your age and I just got Dude, all that stuff because I set it into a mirror for the last my year straight. ego was so big. I was so repelling looking back at who I was at that time. Oh, yeah. God. That's funny. That's really, you were just an asshole. Oh, I was, oh, my gosh. Alana loves to remind me about who I was at that time. Were you guys together at that time? Oh, so man. here's so the you story. Had to deal with Check him this being out. An Check this out. This is crazy. What's up, babe? King's home. Not, basically. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> no, dude. Like so that. check this out. So, pass the test, middle of April. My birthday passes. I'm I turn 20, 22. Alana and I haven't I haven't seen Alana since eighth grade, mm -hmm. and I had a crappy twenty second birthday. And I'm I'm talking to my mom about some stuff, and she goes, you know, you write out goals about your car, money, where you want to live. I had a penthouse downtown LA at the time. I'm twenty two years old, mm -hmm. 
And she's like, how come you don't do that in your relationships? You have all these crazy relationships. Yeah. I was like, mom, that's different. That's not the same thing. She's like, no, it's not. It's not different. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. So that conversation kind of resonated in my mind. The next day I'm at this skate shop and I'm looking, I'm walking out of the skate shop and I see the cover of this magazine and it's Alana. Eighth grade Alana, who I had a huge crush on. I was like, oh shit, crazy. I grabbed the magazine and I'm looking at reading her interview and her interview is on page 23. 23 is my number. I was born on April 23. There's 23 syllables in my name. Psalms 23rd. And I was like, damn. I took that magazine home and I put Alana on my vision board. And I made that vision board on April the 28th. And then I wrote out, um, I'm stalling because I was going through this Brooke Burke and Tara Patrick phase at that time. Okay. And if you look at both of those people and morph them together, anyways. <laughs> God damn it. So, Can I just ask real quick, why was she on the cover? You were a model or something? You were. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Oh, my gosh. Was it? I think I remember that. Yeah, it was like based on girls at first, and then uh-huh. it became like real, like music. Yeah. More music, more. So you just happened to do this shoot, and then you happened to. My friend asked him to do it, and it was like. Because the universe was all conspiring for Kevion to have the perfect life. That's why you did it. Okay, so. And then I write out the qualities, right? So you're telling me you literally had a vision board Dude, with a I photo a of Alana board on with it. With a photo of Alana, and um, I wrote down four or five things. I wrote down passionate about something, okay. right? I was basically looking at all my other relationships and what wasn't working, and, and so I wrote out passionate about something. I wrote out good family values, right? And I, those were like the main two. Th- oh, and yeah. trustworthy. Yeah. Those are like the main things. Passionate about something. At least you're realistic. Like it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. So, but she just happens to be this exact human being. Yeah. And um, that's it. I kind of leave that leave that alone. And then next thing you know, it's Cinco de Mayo, and I'm uh, but I'm living downtown LA at the time. And JP again, he's like, "Yo, come with me to this party that a utility board shop's doing." I was like, "Nah, I'm good, dog. Like I'm just gonna chill." And uh, five minutes later, after just looking at the wall, I go to this party in Pomona, uh-huh. drive downtown. I'm all, I'm there. I'm like on another level. This is where that video was yep. made that yep. re- reenacted. Yep. And I'm leaving the party and I look and I'm like, Alana? That's yeah. a 10 year gap to 10 that? Year gap, yeah. I saw her one time randomly, but that was it. Okay, and then, then the whole story happened where there was, what, some sort of fight, and then you were walking away. That's when you saw her across yeah, the street. Yeah, I saw her, I and like, I was like, man. I was a big fan of the video. Um, I saw her, I got the digits, you know what I mean? And, um... No, I'm not going to say what I say said. Say it. No. Yo, I got this vision board, and like, no. I'm just wondering, so, are you passionate I, about anything? No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, whatever, How's I'll your say family it. value? So, she te- so I leave that night, I'm faded, and she texts me in the morning, and I see, it, I see it, it comes up, it says Alana, and she says, did you get home okay? Oh, so you texted him first. Exactly. Ooh. So I text Old her back, me. I text her back, I'm like, who is this? I text her back, I'm like, who is this? Yeah. She's like, it's Alana. And so I text her back. I was like, oh, so it wasn't a dream? 
So God bad, dude. Damn That's it. so bad. Well, how did you did you did that work on you so or were bad. you like, oh shit? But you're like, he's so She wasn't cute. having it though. That she was not it. having it. I mean, I took her on some really dope dates. And mind you, like my head's huge. I just got the seven series. I've got I got 25 G's in my account. Like, I'm killing it, yeah. right? 22 years old. Clearly. And you can wish anything yeah. into existence. And then I, you know. I mean, after just wishing, you told you're telling me you wished a BMW and twenty five thousand dollars into existence. Yeah. You got it. Your mom was like, "Yo, why don't you throw a girl on there?" You threw a got girl it. on there. It got that exact yeah. girl. Yeah. And so you're just like, "Yo, anything you want?" Because I got this vision That's board. It. I can just kind of whatever you sort need. Sort of like a genie situation. Yep. Um, okay, let me just just because I know I'm cutting you off. But was there ever a time when she came over and you had to like, like did you ever discuss that there was a photo of her on your vision board? She probably heard it the first time while I was doing a talk somewhere. So I would do a lot of talks got at it. real estate so you offices. Had no idea. Yeah, and yeah. I have it. I've got it somewhere. That's incredible. Okay, yeah. so keep going. So this is this era here is like like every era of my life. There's there's a soundtrack, right? That yeah. mid '90s is like Far Side, Souls of Mischief. Late '90s is like Sound Bombing, Quali. That whole era. You hit 2000 and 2000 to 2010 where LRG is just taking over the game and my real estate career starting to blow up, early 2000 to mid-2000, it's like Cameron, Just Blaze, Kanye, Blue and Exile, L LR, you know, LRG era, Aloe Black, um, and things are tight. Like, we're wilding out. Nick, dude, I remember I sold Nick Diamond his very first home in 2004 in Hollywood. 04. Where was that at? It was uh, like off of Coenga. Just humble, like yeah, small simple little spot. Little, yeah, wow. Yeah, simple little spot. So, I wonder if you can play. Can you play? Make a note that I'm gonna go off script here or whatever. But um, like, we should figure out if you can play other people's music during podcasts. Like, can we play like some of the theme music while we're talking about? So should I redo? I kind of bounced around. No, no, no. It's good. We'll just like if it's possible, and if I can mix it right, we'll just put like one of the songs. That was exactly sort of what I background. was thinking about. Yeah. When I was coming up with this, I was like, "It'd be tight if there were like instrumentals in the background." Yeah, I don't think you can do I, that. Always, I don't think there's any licensing rights issues there, right? In this era, I I always and it's funny. I was talking to Brian Atlas about this the other day. I've always wanted to create this like mixtape and now that i put it out someone's probably gonna do it but yeah. just so you know it started here on short story long we, we have it recorded yeah we have it recorded dated but what was the it was just um there's been different names for it but um just in an inspirational mixtape with like all the best thoughts from the dopest people but with instrumentals in the background because yeah. i've always listened to earl nightingale tony robbins brian tracy and it's like I'd, I'd be great if there was some music behind it yeah there's a couple people doing that like yeah that i agree guy, it's Eric almost Thomas. like how do you cool it up a little yeah, bit yeah but you could be the guy to do that yeah. we'll get to that but um so i guess so then you you can wish anything into existence. You have your car, your dream girl, your $25,000, and then all of a sudden, things start taking off. Real estate's taking Real off. Real estate's going LRG's nuts. LRG's taking LRG's off. LRG's going nuts. And you are completely and fully feeling yourself, right? Oh, I am I am the dopest dude to, to walk the earth. Yeah. I remember really thinking and probably being faded certain nights with, with the crew and just being like, man, like, if... We really are like the freshest crew, like on the in whole the Western world. Hemisphere, basically, yeah. right? Like, just feeling ourselves. Yeah. So funny. Which arguably you were. 
It was a pretty I'm just tight saying, crew. Like, not, Dude, to, it was a fresh not to crew. not to pump up old <laughs> cocky Kevion, but I'm just saying, not to bring him back <laughs> out of the box, gone. but I'm just saying, okay. I'm saying, arguably, it'd be hard it to find a, a group crew. of people that were doing it harder at that time. I think. And it, and really, I I personally was not doing it that big. Like I was. Yeah, but you would just. Once again, I'm gonna say it again. You had just wished for your dream life and gotten it, yeah. and then you had also just life coached with no sort of pre- just because you called yourself a life coach mm-hmm. you had life coached a man into creating a hundred million dollar yeah. impact you know what i'm saying like you had that was the most inspiring part of my life for sure and so like real estate for me was this side thing that i did so that i could make money so that i could still stunt with them yeah and and it's like i wasn't selling homes the way i'm selling homes now yeah. it was like mainly 300,000, 400,000, 500,000 out in the IE because that's where my license was. And then occasionally I would get the Nick Diamond deal. Yep. And, and even then, that was a small deal then. And right? were you working under that agency, the other agency? Exactly, Got still. It. Yep. It. And, um, you know, I wasn't doing deals like I'm doing now. It was all there. Like I wasn't selling million dollar homes. Yep. My average sales price was 600,000 probably at the most. Got it. Yeah. Um, when did you come up with From Skate to Real Estate? That was 2012. Oh, so way later. Way later. Okay. Yeah. I just pictured you like with the LRG guys, like Skate to Real Estate. No, and I'll tell you. No. <laughs> you know, like who wants no. a bottle? I no, 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 no. Because I never talked real estate back then. Got it. I was I was their, their team coach. I yep. talked inspiration, goal setting, mindset. Um, and then we talked about LRG. Got it. So, so real estate was literally real just estate to was, pay the bill. And then I threw events. So like they... We're based out of Orange County, and I was throwing some of the main parties for LRG in LA County, right? Some of the first ones, at least. And I was doing those because we were going out every night with, like, Arson and Dom had National. And so, you know, Jerry Mang, and I'm like, man, this is tight. I want to do – I want to throw a party. And so I remember the very first party I threw for LRG – um dude the lineup was crazy we had like mark ronson samantha ronson mm-hmm. dj vice and i wasn't sure if anybody would show up and like 1500 people were there before it even started yeah it was also the release for the diamond dunk got it yeah so it was like a duel it was it was on dude god damn yeah it. it was on it was a dope party when and just go back if i'm skipping anything but like when did you sort of transition when did the transition happen into taking real estate so much more seriously and was that after so so here's what happened so 2005 so it's like it's like several years of just some craze like we're on yeah and 2005 things start to kind of shift for me it all starts to catch up Uh i'm getting in trouble in my relationship with my dream girl i had five escrows fall apart in one month I got a DUI. I'm getting it's cat. I'm, I'm getting caught up. Yeah. Like, dude, I've got expenses that I'm incurring that I'm not prepared for. And real estate, dude, these deals can fall apart. Yeah. So I had every single one of my deals in one month fall apart in 2005, um, and then I got a DUI. And that just fucked your whole thing up. Everything. It was, I was jacked. Do you put it, okay, let me ask you this, because I wonder this about myself sometimes, going a little deep here, but maybe maybe you'll connect with me on it, maybe you won't. Do you think that it's the same thing in you that caused you to, for instance, start showing up late and not giving a fuck when you were the top guy at the 
at the earlier agency? Like, do you think there's like a not self-destructive, but sort of a like you get ahead of yourself and you stop worrying about the fundamentals, or do you not feel like the two are even connected? There could be a similar energy mm-hmm. there for sure. Um, I think what it could also be is it's a fear energy. So as you start to climb, we start to self-sabotage yeah. because, you know, it's like that that quote says, I think it's a Mandela quote, but it's our light, not our, not our darkness that most frightens us. Uh-huh. So as you start to really rise and excel, it gets scary. And sometimes we self-sabotage. And so I think that's what I was starting to do at that, at that time. And yep. it just caught up with me. Yep. Got it. Yeah. And so... Fast forward to 2006, the whole market in general is feeling weird. Uh Like everybody's buying homes. You're doing these loans that are like um, pay option arms and interest only. And you have a heartbeat at that time and you're getting a loan. And something, it just felt weird. It felt really weird. And um, people were balling out, refining their homes, buying boats. Are you cashing in at this time though? Like are you like, fuck, I can sell a house to anybody? I'm selling houses to everybody. Yeah. Everybody, yeah, from strippers to hustlers to everybody. You ever watch The Big home. Short? I'm guessing you have, dude. It's we were of, Alana and I were cracking movies. up because the there we had a stripper client. Alana was doing loans at that time. Yeah, I yeah. feel like everybody was. Yeah. I feel like yeah. literally everyone was like, you know what? I could sell some houses. Yeah, that's how it is right now, kinda. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to get into that too. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, so. You were doing it, but you knew, like, did you almost feel like this is too good to be was, true or something? No, just a little I just weird wasn't here? feeling it. I, I, like, I knew that I was supposed to be doing something else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, something was missing from me in real estate. It was starting to feel gross. Yeah. And right around that time, I go on a trip with Jonas to Miami. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm on another level. We're at the Mondrian, some party, and I run into Greg Carroll, uh-huh. Mike Carroll's brother. And we have this conversation that is just like, mind you, I was also on an, on another level. Yeah. But I felt like I was uh, just had a meeting with like an angel. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Like, and it was sick. And I'm like, hey, we need to talk when I get back. And so we got back. But what type of shit? Just life, personal development, yeah. purpose, meaning. And I was kind of always the person in my circle of friends having those conversations. Yep. And Greg Carroll was one of the first people that brought his level of insight and how he thought about success and thoughts about the mind and the law of attraction and intention. Mm-hmm. So we really vibed out. And long story short, when I got home, I decided to leave real estate. I left real estate and Greg Carroll and I started a company called Peace Academy. Peace was an acronym for a Positive Education Awakens Conscious Excellence. Uh-huh. And we just went out and taught classes everywhere we could. How do you make money doing that? And that's why it didn't and work. And then <laughs> I went back to real estate. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So well, that's that's what happened. Like you just we we made a lot of noise. Like we would would go to schools, we'd go to colleges. I had people paying me for one on one coaching. Yeah. But it was not easy. Like I was renting this really dope house um in costa mesa and so we were running the whole house the whole company out of my house in costa mesa mm-hmm. um and we had an investor like we had an investor that was going to put money up for this movie that we were making and the whole school um and we rocked it for like a year and a half but it was just our last event that we did at fairfax high it was called touch the sky and master your mindset mm-hmm. we had a dope panel with like Stevie Williams, 
B Win, Jerry Mang, Jonas, Aloe Black. And our whole thing was like, let's teach mindset strategies. Yeah. And if it were a room that would have been like 150 people, it would have been cracking. Mm -hmm. But we got a room that fit 3,000 people. Uh And so it just, and we literally thought we were going to fill the room. Yeah. And there were like 150 people there. Yeah. So it just looks bad. It looked bad. Yeah. And that, that was it. And then, did, so you decided to pack it up, and did you go back to real estate? So at the end of 2008, we were expecting an investor to come with like 250K to help us do this thing. Yep. And uh, that money was supposed to come November 1st, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. We, Alana and I, get pregnant with our, with our firstborn son, Kaizen, in 2008. Uh-huh. And now we're like, oh, uh-oh. We really need this money to come. Uh-huh. That date that the money's supposed to come just goes right by. And uh, it was a good friend who was supposed to put the money up and doesn't hit us up about our kid being born. No, nothing on Thanksgiving, nothing on Christmas. We're freaking out. Yeah. I can't even afford to rent that house anymore that I'm renting. Yep. Greg goes back up to the bay. We move into Alana's mom's house. And it's like, fuck, what am I doing? Yeah. I have no car. Yeah. Um, have a newborn and my other son is in Costa Mesa and it's like, what am I doing? And so Alana's mom is also in real estate and she kept saying, just do real estate. And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't do it. It was like the last resort. And so I'm taking the train from, Alana would drop me off in Fullerton. I'd go and meet my friend Ozzy in like Newport because he lived in San Clemente and we would literally go to a library and try to figure out Pizza Academy uh-huh. and how we were going to do it. Uh-huh. And one day, early 2009, I'm like, I'm going to check my, my MySpace. I didn't check MySpace in like six months. Yep. I opened up MySpace and this dude, my friend Merwin, who I sold a home to eight, uh, four years earlier in 04, he said, hey, Kev, are you still in real estate? I need to sell the house you sold me in 04 and buy something else. I checked my license online and it was expiring in two weeks. Uh-huh. Boom. Take Alana's car, show this guy a couple houses, get a couple checks for like eight or nine G's. I'm like, guess I'm back in. Yep. And just struggled trying to figure out the game again because 2009 to 2011, it was hell. Yeah. It was short sales, foreclosures. When I left, the sun was shining. When I came back, it was hell. That's like literally a whole different business, it was hell. right? Yeah. yeah. So did you, you just beat the, you sold the house within the two weeks or you just, and then used the money to renew your license or you renewed your license? Renewed right my away? license. It, w- it didn't cost much. It Got was it. really low cost. And it was just, it was like, this was a sign. Yep. I'm supposed to be doing this. And so then you're just back in. So now you have a whole new ball game to figure out. Yeah. And where did you go back to an agency or are you working for yourself at that point? Um, no, you have to go to an agency if you're not a broker. So I'm not a broker. So I would go try, I'm trying out different agencies at that time around the area where, um, we lived in Alana's mom's home in Glendora and just hating it, dude. I hated it. Like the only thing that was really keeping me going at that time, besides obviously Alana and my son, Eli and my family and all the things I'm supposed to say (laughs) (laughs) was the fact that on Saturday mornings, um, I would drive to Jonas's crib and we would ride bikes. Uh-huh. Like he was getting really into riding bikes. And so that was like my thing. That was like the one thing that was just like, oh. And they were still doing really well, right? Yeah. So at least there you was had a that, shift. Like, yeah. like the chains were put away. Yep. He could have rocked them, 
for sure. Yep. But because it was like he kind of already did that era. Yeah. And it just was a weird time. It was a weird in, in the recession. You ain't trying to walk around with a million dollars worth worth yeah. of jewels on. Yeah. yeah. And so they were still killing it though. And he knew I was struggling and he would just encourage me like, Kev, you'll figure it out. Dude, yeah. just stick with it. And I had that Saturday morning with him, you know, and it would be me and him and Albert Rosario. I don't know if you know Albie. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, just struggling. What started to like put it together for you? 2011. What like happened? they say, you know, the the darkest part of the night is right before the sun comes up. Yeah. And 2011, it, it couldn't get any darker. So like, you know, beginning of 2011, we're trying to figure things out. We're trying to get above water. Alana and I find out we're prego again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, how? Yeah. Like physically, how? <laughs> yeah. How did this happen? <laughs> how did this happen? We're just, we're not happy at that yeah. time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, I'm I'm kind of raging a lot at that time. I'm parting a lot. I'm trying to hang on to something that's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure myself out, you know, and trying to get ready for the fact that I'm really going into crazed fatherhood. Yeah. And um, I remember telling Jonas about that I was having number three. <laughs> he was so pissed. <laughs> Oh my like on some, god! Like, what are you doing? What? He's like, what are you doing? Yeah. He's like, do you not want to like ever have fun ever again? <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're gonna be that guy, huh, Kev? You're gonna be that guy that has five kids, huh? That's gonna be you. He was pissed. Uh-huh. He was so pissed. He called Alana. He did. Yeah. Did he yell at you? Yeah. Damn, yeah. He called Alana. What? Yeah. You? No, that's a no. Yeah. You stop it. Seriously, he's like, it's not too late. <laughs> that's amazing. Swear. Yeah. He was so it but it came from a place of like love and he knew yeah, I was struggling. Yeah. So he's like, What are you doing? Yeah. So you so know, what you were was your mentality just like fuck it, I am you know, this is what we got. I'm I'm going for yeah. it. Yeah. You know Let's would, see if we can't get a little darker before the light you know, thing comes. You just you it is what it is. Yeah. And so um getting getting by, you know, I remember my birthday at that time, that year, it was just it was a dark time for sure. So that's a all in all. So you, sorry, you stopped real estate in 2007, you said? 2007, yeah. Damn. Came back So even though Peace later. Academy was great, you still, I mean, that's four, we're on four years yeah. now of sort of being a little drifty. Four years, and like yeah. Not knowing, yeah. You know, always, always being into the personal development. And I think that that's also hard when like, I know I have these skills. Yeah. I know I'm better than this. Yeah. It's just, I couldn't break through. Yeah. You know, and so... But but we did okay. We were we were never on welfare. Yeah. But we were barely getting by. Still to be lost. Like I feel like a lot of people talk about like being you know sort of lost at a really young age and you don't know what you want to do and yeah. it's just interesting to sort of find be in a place of I have everything I could ever want. You had that in a, at a moment. You were killing it. You're king Kevion on yeah. top of the world. To then going and being like ah, what's really my purpose here? Like that's yeah. pretty interesting and i think as a as a man you know as a father when you're supposed to provide and you can't it's the most painful thing you know when you can't put food on the table yeah yeah you know and you're trying to but it's just not working Mm -hmm. so you know we're we're struggling we're doing our thing we live we're living in costa mesa at the time and um man memorial day 2011 hits Uh and you know, that was, uh, 
the most challenging thing I'd ever experienced in my how, how old am I? Two thousand twenty six. Oh, then. Then. Yeah. No. Twenty eight. Yeah, so I'm twenty eight years old. I'd never experienced anything that could prepare me for that. You know, it was Memorial Day morning. It was a Monday, and uh, Jonas and I were supposed to go a ride for a ride that afternoon. Yeah. And uh, I remember Alana and I were like, "All right, we're gonna fix up the house. So let's go to Home Depot, and then I'm gonna go on my bike ride, yeah. motorcycle ride with Jonas, because we traded in the the, the bicycles." For big boy Correct. bikes, because this time, this whole time, I I was about to say, oh, I thought you were talking about bicycles, but you yeah, know, we yeah. we had a bicycle phase. He he got me into that, and then he's like, Kev, it's it's time yeah. for us to get some big boy bikes. Yeah, I like that. So much stuff that I would never be into. I'm like, what are you talking about? Just for the record, I tried to do the exact same thing, except for nobody else bought a motorcycle, so I sold mine. <laughs> like, I was like, you know what, guys, it's time to get the big boy bikes. Dude, and then it was like dope. three months later, I was like, anyone? It was so dope. Yeah. Like that experience, that era. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were really inspired about that like vintage no, racing cool. era. And yeah. it was just a sense of freedom that mm-hmm. I've never experienced. Especially down there where you can actually oh, ride dude. it a little bit. Up here meet, you can't. It's just no, a no. death machine everywhere no, you go. No, we'd meet. It's it's crazy. It's dangerous. But like there, we'd meet at his house, cruise through Laguna, either go north to Long Beach or south to Dana Point. It was yeah. just fresh. Yeah, that's dope. So that Monday, I remember in the morning from Home Depot, I text him a photo of this vintage BMW. Uh-huh. Uh, motorcycle and he didn't text me back uh-huh. i was like oh it's kind of weird hmm. and um a couple hours later i'm reaching out to people and i can't get a hold of them uh-huh. and pff, that was it yeah you know i got a message from um somebody asking if i knew who where who where he was uh-huh. because he was supposed to pick somebody up yeah and at that moment like I knew something wasn't right. Like I could feel it. Yep. And um, I got a call from Jersey Joe and Jersey Joe's his dad, most legendary dude of all time. Uh-huh. I mean, he's the one who came up with the, the quote, if wealth were measured in love, then we are the richest family in the world. Yeah, that's incredible. So I get a call from Joe and he says, look, he's like, come to the house, come alone, say a prayer. And I, I drive up to his house in Laguna, and it's, it's too late, you know. And that that whole oh man, there's nothing that could prepare you no. for that. Yeah. And you, so you guys didn't even really see that coming. Like it wasn't like. I mean, you could say that writing the writing was on the wall. I guess you yeah. could say because of the type of activities that we we're into and yeah. what we were about. But nobody sees that. Nobody sees. Yeah. Nobody. See, you don't think that. Never. You don't think that at all. Hell no. Yeah, it's just insane. Yeah. I just remember because Kevin Delaney mm-hmm. was our marketing guy at the time, and he called that day and yeah. said, "You know, obviously, I'm not coming in. I, you know, whatever." And I remember it was so devastating to me just because of knowing, uh, you know, who he was and, you know, how young he was and all that stuff. But I didn't, you know, I didn't know him personally at all. Right. So I didn't, you know, I know you guys were like incredibly close, but I just, it's just so, so nuts to me. So, and that was still, why, is that why you're, you're pregnant at the time? Yeah. Um. So 
times are tough anyway. Times are tough anyway. You're stressed anyway. And we're struggling. And you're 28 years old. Yeah. Man. Yeah. How did that affect you? Like, did that? Dude, I went dark. Yeah. I went super dark. Like, I was dark before that happened. Yeah. But now I'm going really dark. Yeah. You know, and um, from 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 May to December, to make it worse, I can't close anything. Yeah. I didn't close a single deal. Like, if you look up my realtor record or whatever in the MLS, like, there's nothing. Yeah. And I'm working every day. But I'd be on my way to an appointment. And when it hits you, the wave just hits you of yeah. emotions, of loss. And I would just start bawling yeah. my eyes out. And you can't stop it. Yeah. You know, and then... Uh, fortunately, in October, um, my daughter Azella was born, uh-huh. and it was so crazy. We named her Azella Joni. You know, Joni yeah. was his, his uh, nickname, and it was such a hectic time when she was being born, and like you know, she, it's always crazy, yeah. right? But I like, can imagine, yeah, <laughs> it's just so crazy. And then we're just we're freaked out, and the doctors like, "How much does she weigh?" And they're like, "Oh, eight pounds." Da, da, da. Okay, what time is it? And they're like, sixteen forty-seven. And then Alana, um, hold on. <clears throat> so Alana just uh, grabs my hand. And she just goes, babe, it's 447. And like we just knew like the presence in that room. It was like, you know. So, and the significance of the 447 was that 47 was Jonas's number. Yeah. Man. So that was like a real, like, moment. Did that sort of, did that sort of, do you feel like, um, was that the beginning of coming out of, or was there still a long road after that? There's still a long road. Yeah. You know, but that was definitely the start of, of the sun starting to come out. Yeah. But then another thing, uh, another blow came and, um, you know, I saw my dad two months later uh-huh. and I had no idea that was gonna be the last time I saw my dad either. Really? Yeah, he passed beginning of 2012. Where had he been until then? So we kind of started to lose a connection at the probably end of 2010 because yep. his drinking has always been pretty crazy but it was also funny yeah he was hilarious to be around yeah um but that was because he was also making money yeah <laughs> yeah and so when you're not making money and you're drunk i guess it's a different it's story not that sometimes fun. yeah so um we started to lose you know touch at the end of 2010 and i really hadn't seen him i'd seen him almost a year and a half my Good. dad has a prison build you yep. know big big front small legs yeah and uh you know 220 pounds and when i saw him he was about a buck 35 and he had a cane got it he had gray hair i mean it was crazy so So then was that another like but the difference is that i saw the legacy that jonas left i saw how it impacted the world you know i saw how it changed the world and influenced people yeah. and then when my father passed you know we have the same name and so all of a sudden i get hit with things that he left yeah old tickets uh, yeah. i had to drive out to riverside or somewhere and prove that that wasn't me speeding and all kinds of weird debts and it really made me look at 
who I was and really made me look at going into 2012 my legacy yeah what do i have that's to interesting leave? you know if i was if i were gone right now what would i be leaving yeah and the answer was not much so out of that darkness out of that breakdown was the breakthrough of case and do you feel like it was heavily from getting that new sort of awareness of your legacy that started even making you think on that level definitely yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then, then, so what was the breakthrough? Or well, sort of, you know what I mean, like the actual... So I was going to leave, you know, I only made like maybe 60K in 2011 mm -hmm. with three kids in Orange County and, you know, trying to be a real estate agent, so you need to have a Mercedes, like, you know, things weren't really panning out financially. Yep. So I figured, you know what, why don't I go back into being a life coach? I can mm -hmm. make more than 60K a year being a life coach again, let mm -hmm. me do that. And my mentor is like, look, you know how to sell real estate. You are good at it. Why Why are you having to separate the two? Why don't you do both? Uh -huh. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, realtors need coaches. Uh -huh. Everybody's having to go outside of their company to go and find a coach. Why don't you go and kill it in real estate and coach people? Uh -huh. Like coach like, your, was the coach strategy like to coach your own coach team. Coach your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, damn. So that's when I shifted to uh, the brokerage of Keller Williams, and Keller Williams is really big on having a team. I never had a team before. A lot of other companies don't really um, push that, but Keller Williams does. So I went there to really learn those skills. Mm -hmm. And um, it really feels like it happened quick. Like, dude, I mean, I was at nothing at the end of 2011 you mm -hmm. know we sold i sold that motorcycle to buy alana's engagement ring mm -hmm. and we got in a fight about that because for 10 days i had to make up a story as to where that money went when we really needed oh, to yeah. know <laughs> where that money was that's so funny so um you know, but it, it it also wasn't easy because I had an energy of, of inspiration that was also mixed with um, still a little bit of, of darkness that I didn't work through. Yep. And so I was still drinking a lot yep. and partying a lot. And um, Alana and I split up in t April really? 2012. Freshly engaged? Freshly engaged. Wow. Alana doesn't take no she shit. Ain't, she ain't playing. Be careful. She gave me <laughs> back the oh, ring. Oh, yeah? You want to go out? How about you take this ring? Yeah, she gave me back the ring, and I remember it just sat on the counter for like a week, uh -huh. you know, and I was like, look, if that thing is still there next week, then I'm going to get my own place, uh -huh. and it was still there. So on April 1st, like, moving truck was in front of the house. I think she thought it was an April Fool's joke, yeah. but it was real. And that time alone in that 90 days, you know, I didn't have anybody to blame. Mm -hmm. When you're in a relationship, it's very easy to blame the closest yeah. people to you. Yeah. This was the first time in so many years, you know, I go and get my own little my own little spot. I try to hook it up. I put all the art in the walls. I put I had my turntable set up again. Yeah. I thought I was going to have the time of my life. Yeah. I move in with my little brother, Quinn. He's like 22 at that time. All of a sudden, he decides to get into a committed relationship. <laughs> the worst. I thought we were going to go ham. <laughs> Come on, bro. We're supposed to kill it. Not only that, I have no friends. Yeah. Like, nobody came to that spot. Maybe my boy Tyrone might have stopped by once. You know, Ty from yep. LRG. Yep. Like, maybe he came by a couple times. It's like that Hall Pass movie. 
Dude. You guys ever watch Hall Pass? I've never seen. You know it. where like they give like it's a comedy, but it's like the wives give the husbands oh. a hall pass for a week, and then they're like so lonely and bored, and like they're like this shit sucks. And it then sucked. Like, yeah, yeah. It sucks. So then what? So then do you go? Then are you on some like I need Alana? I need my dream girl back. You know, <laughs> not <laughs> you put really. The, start finding the picture and no, like put it back honestly, on the wall. Honestly, we were done. Like, like really? we were fully done. Like my thirtieth birthday, she's at Coachella. Oh I'm, shit! Back at Coachella. You know what I mean. Yep. I'm I'm wherever I'm at, yep. and we're done. Yep. No call on the thirtieth birthday, and nothing. I didn't deserve a call either. That's crazy. Um, but it, I really just stopped, and it made me like, like, what's it gonna take? And I always go back to my coaches. Like I've always had coaches, and my coach, that she's been my coach since I was seventeen. He was like, Kev, what would it take for you to love this thing? And I'd never real looked estate? at real estate. Yeah, yeah, I'd never looked at real estate like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I loved real estate, I'd be selling mid-century homes, modern homes. I'd have this dope team around me. Yeah. Um, I'd be working with people that that I enjoyed being around. I'd be selling contemporary properties. And it was funny because probably ten days after that, I wrote out this. What does my ideal real estate career look like? Uh-huh. I get a call from Nick, Nick Diamond. And, you know, 2011 was kind of a catapult year yep. for Diamond. And he's like, yo, Kev, dude, I think I need to get a new crib. Uh-huh. And he's like, I'm thinking something like mid-century, like <laughs> modern, know, modern, contemporary. Do you have a dope team by any chance that dude. you have around you? And <laughs> also on that list... Of, of goals, I wrote down a goal to sell a home above $2 million. Mm-hmm. The only home I had ever sold above a million dollars in my entire career up to that point was Jonas's crib yep. in 2009. Other than that, I had resistance to the luxury homes. Yep. I didn't think I could, um, I didn't think I could, could do that, you know? Um, why do you think, do you think that was like a mental block? Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, is For it sure. anything? I guess no, what I'm getting absolutely. at. Cause, it's yeah. absolutely a mental block. I'm not from there. I can't do it. Everybody's selling the high-end homes is white. Yep. I'm not tall enough. I'm not this enough. It's just a make-believe bullshit story that yeah. I kept. And so I wrote down, I want to sell a home to somebody cool, somebody that I enjoy being around, mid-century, modern, contemporary, above $2 million. Nick literally called me 10 days later. Man, can you put some stuff in your like uh, genie bucket for me? I got you, dude. Just Holy let me know fuck. what it is. Let me know. God damn it. Okay, so I'm Nick a new life coach. I like this. Please, whatever. I'm in. Let's write some shit down before you leave. Let's do it. Um, no, so so you saw the house to Nick. So then, um, and that has a lot to do with it because I had never branded myself in real estate, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I was.
costs just about the same amount as my old wedding ring. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. My jeweler, Dennis, best dude. He, when I when I when I traded that thing in, he was like, Kev, I'm gonna hold the hold on to this for you. I was like, do whatever you need to do, dog. Just give me that bright ring. <laughs> yeah. And he held on to it. So.
torn family and coming from some How many things have came true for you and have worked out? day uh -huh. um so getting up Then uh, there's the delegation.